We are back, ladies and gentlemen, this beautiful Sunday morning. Chase and Josh and we are going to be starting the last season of Westworld today. Sunday uh, fun day, baby. Sunday, Sunday fun, fun day. day. Do you want to get an early malice in the chalice, bro? Malice in the chalice. Boom. Uh, Cheers, early, my man. Oh, man. Early bird gets the worm. It's like, it's hey, 8.45 a.m. this morning. That's solid man that's, that's bang bang stuff. on the money <laughs> and uh, i was gonna say guys too and if you see something a little bit different today in terms of the numbers of episodes that we're doing it's only because season three only had eight episodes so how we're gonna tackle season three between today and next week and the week after is we're gonna do episodes one two and three today four five and six next week then the week after that, we'll close out with just episodes seven and eight and give our final thoughts on Westworld. But uh, that's a little bit of ways away today. Today, we're excited about episodes one, two, and three, my man. Yeah, man. Hey, I got to say, before we get started, I've been impressed um, with Westworld overall. Like, remember going into this thing, it was originally yeah. requested to us. And we were like, Westworld, what's that? And now it's, especially with our fans... Um, that have reached out to us it's definitely going to become one of our identifiers for fof here and i think so yeah yeah i would say you know especially because like it, it's one of those shows that has I, I would say like a cult following it hasn't gotten maybe like the worldwide notoriety of something like game of thrones or harry potter or anything like that yet yeah. uh, i'm you know but it, it's a fantastically written show and you know, I think the fans of the show are super, super loyal uh, to Westworld, and so they were really excited that because uh, I mean, as of from what the research I did, I don't think anybody else in this realm has even thought about touching Westworld. You know, we were the first ones to it, and you know, I'm excited to to get into it today. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think Game of Thrones was like our test if we could conquer <laughs> this beast. <because laughs> Westworld is a beast on its own, just intellectually. Hundred so percent. That's why everyone was like, well, if anyone can do it, Chase and Josh don't mind doing it. So here we are, season yeah. three. I know we had some really cool news, too. Uh, I, you know, We're going to get started right away here to, to pick up episode one. But before that, we had some really cool news. Uh, uh, we were up and running on Amazon Music, right? Yeah, Amazon Music. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were on the front page of Podbean. So that was pretty cool. And, you know, our numbers are going up. Uh, just keep going up every week like i said we live in the dream <laughs> <laughs> living the dream life man i mean we never thought this is where we'd be come you know what we've been doing this for what six months now seven months a little bit more so what we're in september we started in january so eight months yeah eight, eight months, months. Yeah. yeah and hey it's uh past our expectations for first is- year for sure yeah. Good for us. I'll let you take it away, man. Let's uh, let's get it started. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's do it, brother. Let's do it. Hey, uh, you know, for all the football fans out there, happy NFL Sunday. Uh, I'm a big Giants fan. I know Chase is a Falcons fan, so wish us luck. Uh, if you want to, if you guys play in the same division as us, we're enemies this week. Uh, so, but uh, <laughs> well, we're super excited to give you what we got for Westworld, man. So, what we say, do one last uh, Mally in the Chally and get to it. Mally and the Chally, man. Yeah, we played uh, uh, Pitt's podcast last week, and 
I made the mistake of benching Aaron Rodgers, so never bench Aaron <laughs> He went off, I know. It was a tough one with the Vikings. We thought, like, you don't have a good defense and being in the same division. Who would have thought that Aaron Rodgers would pop off for 40-plus points? But I digress, right? <laughs> hey, if, it, if it makes you feel better, Jay Nelly, you know, Falcons <laughs> lost, so I've, I'm right in your shoes with those Giants, man. Don't worry. Uh, Happens yeah. to the best of us. Wildest stat before we get started. Ben Roethlisberger rushed one time for nine yards against us, and that was more rushing yards than Saquon Barkley had the whole game. Saquon rushed 15 times for six yards. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger <laughs> rushed one time for nine yards, outrushed Saquon. So that's a testament to how terrible the Giants' offensive line is, but... Yeah. <laughs> hey, in the words of uh, Jim and Logan, I'm all the way down now. <laughs> all the way down the already. Uh, right after week one, we're just throwing the towel. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> hey, Falcons have been down for years, man. Ever yeah. since 2017, <laughs> losing that Super Bowl. A, Malice yeah, that in was, the chalice, baby. That was a That's tough one. Say. Let's uh yeah let's let's get rolling into to season three episode one you know cool. when they we started this uh, episode you know when they start kind of doing that weird like they white out the screen and they put like a location up I actually just wrote them down and I'm gonna do some research into it to see if the like the latitude and longitudes they put on the screen actually match yeah. like the city and state that if they because cool. I I just want to see if they do that or not so but uh, the the first like kind of scene that we open up with. Is we meet Ger- Gerald, right? He's a rich German asshole. Is kind of how I described him. You know, he. You know, yeah. the reason I say that is because he treats his wife and employee like shit, like right off the bat, like cursing at him, screaming at him, like you know, he just doesn't seem like a genuinely good guy at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I did thought that was really cool is he's had those glasses that can make you see holograms like Star Wars. Yeah. So like they yeah. had these like you know even everything about this season it's super futuristic all like the 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 aircrafts you see the cars on the road everything is just it's almost like they're living in 3020 right (laughs) so you know what the glasses reminded me of not to cut off uh remember have you ever seen uh did you see spider-man far from home yeah Yeah. remember the glasses that uh peter parker puts on and it was uh what was what did tony call them it was like uh, uh, I don't ever die or something. I forgot what they call. But anyways, it was the same idea with those glasses, except for these get to see fucking holograms. <laughs> That's dude. Epic. It was super cool, and like it wasn't just like a weird like projection hologram. You saw the person as if you could touch them. Like that person looked like he was right in front of you. Then it was like a three D image, and you wouldn't have known unless he, when he took the glasses off that the guy disappeared. You would have no idea that it was a hologram. Right. And so yeah, thought that was pretty cool. Oh, awesome. um, but yeah, we see him. We see him pop what's called like a limbic tab. Now these were kind of interesting because we saw them a lot in the show, but they never really got fully explained in terms of why some people have them, some people don't. I know some treat like mental illnesses. We'll get into that a little bit later. But you see him like pop this thing. What they do really is they dull senses and they calm down the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Those are like two really big things. So. You know, it was really great for like war vets, you know, with PTSD and things of that nature, or if like a high stress job and you know, like a you know, type of relaxation. Uh, that's what these things are built for. Um, but yeah, you know, so <laughs> this is why I mean, why I think he's kind of a dick. You know, the first thing he obviously <laughs> tells his wife not to fucking interrupt him during his meeting, right? And then like when he goes yeah. to like 
bed and he puts all the security system on he tries to cuddle her and he she like moves away because she's upset like rightly so and then he just he's like well you know what i don't want you going to town alone anymore it's a security risk okay gerald mr controlling ass boyfriend husband whatever the fuck you are <laughs> like, <laughs> did uh, did not like that guy very much but what i did like is the next scene is when the security system got hacked and Gerald wakes up with like a gas mask on his face out of nowhere, and opera music's just blasting throughout the house. Yeah, this is badass. This is really cool. Um, it was like almost a, a quarantine mask, but it uh, it lo- yeah, it looked like a yeah. gas, <laughs> gas mask. And uh, yeah, well, because like the first out. thing, remember the fire was coming up right. all through his house. Like in yeah, it was like, but it wasn't like on. The house wasn't on fire, but the embers of like like the fire system, like you know. So yeah. if you guys have ever seen like a like a fireplace that's remote controlled, it was kind of like that, but they were going way like too high for like a normal setting. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I thought at first is like I thought whoever it had like what before we find out who it happened, like what the cause of all this was. I thought his wife died because like he woke up with a mm-hmm. gas mask and he tried to wake her up and she wouldn't wake up. So I'm like, oh shit, did they poison the air and like keep him alive and like kill his wife to like get to him? Like so, I, yeah. but then obviously we realize that's not the case later on. But that's just a quick thought that ran through my head. But yeah. when we find out, you know, who's the culprit behind it. We've got naked Dolores uh, swimming in his pool, just casually walks inside like it's you know 1960, and you can just walk into your neighbor's house like it's no big deal. <laughs> It reminded me, so, have you ever seen Christmas Vacation? Yes, I love Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Remember when he's looking outside through the window and there's that naked girl in his pool? <laughs> it was like that. Yes. <laughs> but when she comes inside, it's no longer loosen up my buttons. It's like, oh shit, I'm about to die. Yeah. <laughs> that is what's yep. going down. <laughs> <laughs> because think about it he was a he's like a rich multi-millionaire easily you can tell by the house that he has like the control that he has over his employees he said he even says like you know i don't pay you money to wait in fucking lines right so you know this guy's got top end money and like his top line security system just got hacked and this girl's strolling in there casually so you know she's about to fuck shit up like it's some <laughs> really big stuff right um and it's crazy because we actually find out that Dolores knows Gerald from Westworld where he raped her uh, for his bachelor party because he wanted to get stuff out of his system. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. it's it, that was kind of, you know, upsetting. But, uh, you know, I think everything comes full circle because he got what was coming to him. Uh, we, yeah. he, she even plays him, tells him, you know, and we learned that his first wife's dead. And Gerald says, you know, you're not going to hurt me, are you? And Dolores responds, I've hurt so many people. I don't want to hurt anyone else unless they try to hurt me. And, you know, she even tells him, I read your book. And think of it as an unauthorized autobiography. So where would that book be? Let's think back to season two when she grabbed a couple of books and read mm-hmm. through them all the way with like almost like in code. She knows everything. Because remember, guys, hosts' minds, they're not like humans where you only remember bits and pieces. It's like an actual video recording. She can go back and look at every single thing and really understand who this person is. So she knows jailed inside out because of the book that they took of him, you know, while the Delos system was replicating his DNA and, you know, imaging his brain and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, then she puts glasses on his head and, and we see his past. Like, I guess those glasses like can make you see whatever the person wants you to see. 
because you know remember his hands were zip tied right so she put the glasses on his head and like we go back to the night where his you know first wife died and how Mm -hmm. that happened and you know she even called him out for it's like oh yeah i forgot you paid a lot of money to to hide your indiscretions and stuff like that too (laughs) but then you know as a badass what she do she steals his money and confidential files from insight like Mm -hmm. literally he's like you're trading your money and your access to these files for your life and sounds like a pretty fair deal until what happens here in a couple minutes but yeah for sure this is a I thought it was a very creative scene, kind of a creepy scene. It almost reminded me of something you would see in a horror film, like uh, The Others or some shit. Yeah, Strangers. Yeah. Like, keep replaying themselves. It was, uh, Josh will tell you in just a minute what happens. It it definitely threw me for a loop on this one, the way this one scene comes full circle (laughs) within a matter of five, ten minutes. Already full circles. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, because, like, what we find out when we find out, like, the first wife died, like, she had an accident in the pool like she got too drunk something fell in the pool right that was right. the that was the quote-unquote story you know obviously we know he did it um but there's there was a really big uh quote from dolores here before we get to that scene you're talking about and she says i'm the last of my kind for now i need a competitive advantage as for the money think of it as an investment a startup the origin of a new species so think, guys, that's going to resonate a lot as this season goes on, for sure. And now to the point that Chase was talking about, uh, she walks away kind of, like, unbothered by anything. And, like, he, like Gerald thinks he sees an advantage to, like, you know, attack her. Like, okay, like, her guard's down. He grabs, like, this, like, nine iron with the, like, big solid, like, golf club. Probably the biggest one that you can, you know, a driver, you know, to give it uh, some depth to it. Tries to swing it at her as hard as he can. But to your point, like like she was a hologram. She wasn't yeah. actually there. It went right through her. And full circle moments happened to his first wife. He spun and fell into the pool and cracked his head on the side of the pool. Yeah, that was... That and, was then, <laughs> and then we get the second wife. She walks up and she sees what happened. And she like she almost like doesn't really care. She's like, who are you? And Dolores says, the person who set you free. And the second wife looks at the drowning husband, doesn't help him, call 911 or anything. Just kind of lets it happen and leaves him in the pool. Really the last we see of them. <laughs> it's really, I, you know, that Gerald's done and like we don't have that second wife never comes up again. So It was really almost like they way. were stuck in a time loop. Is what it reminded me of. Like they weren't cuz it was the second wife, but it, it makes you question whether or not that scene is repeating itself over and over with whatever time parallel they're in. Um, because this is a big scene I've had a question about with this season. I'm hoping we find out more about how Dolores got there. Because it was like she magically appeared at that house. Well, remember she read the book, so she read his his right. unauthorized autobiography, so she knew everything about him. Like, if you know everything about someone, you know where they live, like you know how to get in, like all the passwords and stuff to get into everything. Like, remember, like she's got a full map of his brain to work with, so she's got all the information she would ever need to know about Gerald. And I'm so. assuming this is present day, though, right? Uh, yes, I believe so, because like. Because like there, there's gonna be so we're between present day and three months ago is the timeline. So this what's kind of mm-hmm. cool about this season is there's not so many different jumping timelines. 
it's either present day or the lead up from three months ago when the divergence happened and Dolores came into the real world up until present day there. So I believe when we see that, it's in real time. But keep in mind, uh, when we meet a certain character, he talks about that incident at Gerald's house, but talks about it as it happened like in the past. So I think when right. we see it, it's in real time, but it comes up again later on. Got it. That um, makes sense. Yeah, and then, like I said, every time the, the screen went white, I always wrote it down. Uh, the first one that we see is Anomaly Detected, Los Angeles, USA, 34.0522 degrees north and negative 118.2437 degrees west. And we get some really big casting surprises right off the bat. If you guys ever watched Breaking Bad, Aaron Paul makes an appearance, his first appearance in Westworld. And it's not just as a supporting character. He plays yeah. one of the biggest roles throughout the entire season, which was great. I think he's a phenomenal actor. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's a phenomenal actor. I mean, it was hard for me to, if you've ever seen Breaking Bad, get out of my head. He's not saying bitch every other word. <laughs> yes, bitch. <laughs> Come to house, bitch. Jesse Pinkman at his finest. But he did uh, really well in this show. It yeah. was a little bit of... This season, I, I do have to say, I felt like... I don't think they pulled a season eight of Game of Thrones... I do feel like it was focused a lot more on visuals and action-packed stunts, but as far as Aaron Paul's acting um, was phenomenal. But he, he does really well, too. And here's another thing is at first when you're looking at him, you're sitting here thinking, all right, it's fucking Jesse Pinkman in Westworld. But he gives it his new character its own spin, and you really start accepting him for Caleb, who he is. Uh, you no longer see Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. He is more of the kind of calm, collected. But if you've ever met someone that's um, just so almost like beat down on themselves, not really knowing what to do, uh, he, he's kind of stuck in that, I would say, um... I guess uh, what what purgatory? I guess you can say that purgatory moment where he doesn't know what he should be doing with his life. But uh, he, he, I gotta say, I, I gave him an A on his acting because he's he's got some really cool scenes in this season. Yeah, and he's not the only one that we see there. Uh, one of my favorite rappers, uh, Kid Cudi, he <laughs> yeah. plays Fran he plays Francis as his buddy from the army, and it's it's funny because uh, growing up. Uh, the Man on the Moon, like Kid Cudi's album, that's like my top three favorite rap album of all time. For me, it goes, uh, mm -hmm. uh, what's it called? Man, Get Rich or Die Trying with 50 Cent, and then Graduation Kanye, and then Man on the Moon with uh, Kid Cudi. Yeah, so. that's bad. I was always a Pursuit of Happiness guy. <laughs> the Pursuit of Happiness and I know. <laughs> yeah, and he had yeah, Erase man. Me on the other one. I forgot what other Erase album Me is that a was. great one. That's on, um, that's on Man on the Moon, man. No. Yeah, good stuff. But um, it, we, yeah. that's the first thing we learn. Like we, we see these two new characters. They both play, like, like obviously Aaron Paul plays a primary role, but Francis comes up repeatedly throughout the series as well, mostly in memory. Obviously, you know, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get into what happens there. But you know, we, we learn they were in the army together, and, and Francis talks almost like a therapist to Caleb, like on the phones in, in the beginning. You know, yeah. like, you can talk to me. Where's your head at? Have you ate today? Like all this kind of stuff. And we kind of learn a little bit more about that as it goes on. But then, we, like we were talking about, we see Caleb like, and with his mom 
and she's popping one of those limbic, t limbic tabs as well. And she's in some sort of uh, facility for people who cannot care for themselves. So we don't know the full story of what happened at this point, but his mom uh, can't take care of herself. She doesn't recognize Caleb as her son. Really sad, uh, you know, narrative there that they gave him right off the bat. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what's kind of cool too is like as we're seeing his mom pop that limbic tab. Francis through the phone asks like you ever think about getting your implant turned back on and, and smooth some of the rough edges off So it was kind of like a yeah. full circle where you know the mom is, is Obviously has to go through the treatments and he's trying to stay away from those those things because like I guess maybe the way he kind of thinks of it's kind of like a drug like he doesn't want to have to rely on it to get through life I think I think that might be right. the, the thought process behind it because he even says uh, no some people need it But for me, I guess it's the rough edges. I'm hanging on to so that's good stuff. Um, but then we we see this awesome like phone app for crime. It's called Rico. That was and cool. Rico, guys, if you don't know, is the Spanish word for rich. So you you try to get rich off the yeah. That's you make money by doing crimes. It's what I the way I put it here in my notes. I said it was like Uber, like you like literally like yeah. Uber, but for organized crime. <laughs> so that 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 was interesting. Get rich uh, or die trying on a literal level. Yeah, like illegal criminal activities that you can get caught for, but, you know, they have a decent payout. You know, you can accept the jobs, you can decline them, you don't have to do them. Like I said, like it's almost like Uber, you can go drive around the neighborhood and you can see like, oh, this person's going here, I don't want to take that ride. You know, it's kind of like the same sort of deal going on uh, here with this Rico app. And it plays a big role in this uh, series as well. Have you now, ever seen the movie Nerve? Sorry, not no, I'm, no, I've never seen Nerve. What, what's that about? So Nerve, it's it has the same idea. What they have is this app. Uh, the difference is this is more of a truth or dare app in Nerve, but they can accept it or deny it. And when they complete the mission, like their dare, they got the money for it. And they always said snitches get stitches. And it was the <laughs> same idea. Like it was all about crime dare. So like this one girl goes in the main character emma roberts who's julia roberts um niece uh like steals this like twelve hundred dollar dress and like had to sneak out of it but the task was she had to sneak out of it not in the dress wearing nothing in like a mall and then had to get all the way out of new york city while like all these cops chased her and if she told anyone about it then basically the mafia or whoever the government in control is comes after her, but she gets like a, a shitload of money if she completes the task. So it was kind of the same idea here. I thought it was really cool, but the biggest Except thing I thought that was cool about this app, it shows how, especially you'll see in this season, the app alone can bring about chaos in the yeah. world. Yeah, and another thing too is that you could, like, when you're looking at the app and the price points that you see, like you can choose what you want to do. Like there are certain categories. Like for example, the first one that Caleb chose was actually redistribution justice. You know, that's you know obviously mm -hmm. taking money from someone and give it to somebody else, right? Redistribution right. justice. So you can decide like what levels is too much for you. Like because we hear you know throughout the whole first season mm -hmm. or not so first season, first episode. You know what's Caleb say? I don't do personals. I don't do personals. Yeah. I don't do personals, right? So yeah, like yeah. obviously you can choose a level of what like what kind of crime yeah. you want. You do petty crime. You want to do high level stuff. And obviously you know you get paid for what you do, right? Like anything in life, right. high risk, high reward. But 
Yeah, and actually, we right now we learn that he won't do personals, which comes up quite a bit this season. <laughs> so that yeah. actually next note was, but then we meet Ash and Giggles, and Giggles guys <laughs> is Marshawn Lynch, which speaking is awesome. of football. Speaking of football, <laughs> yeah. our boy Marshawn Lynch, and he's already dripping. That's what he like. He's already on that stuff, right? And they talk about stats and how bad Caleb's are and how we should do more personals. Then Ash pulls out this device that knocks out all loggers and cameras. She presses a button. And then, like the electric electronic devices start blasting music, and it's super cool because like Ash, she's a really cool character that you get to know throughout the season. I like I liked her character a lot. Uh, yeah, she's a very real character. I would say. Um, yeah, like when you when you hear about her motives and what she like, why she's doing what she does, and like it's mm-hmm. completely unselfish. You know, it's you know, it's I yeah. I appreciate her because like I know people like that. That yeah. like are stuck doing bad things, but for good reasons. So yeah, exactly. I definitely. I do want to say this real quick. When uh, Caleb accepts the money, I love what the app says. It goes, "You made money, motherfucker." Yeah, <laughs> it just stops. It, it, well, I mean, when you even when you first log on to it, it says, "Make money, motherfucker." <laughs> like, and then when you do it, yeah, it's like it's yeah. It was really interesting. <laughs> that app. I wonder if anyone's if that's actually like. A dark web app that some people have. I don't even know, right? <laughs> Shout out to uh, my buddy, uh, Danny Harmon, actually. Back in high school, he used to have this app. and uh, Not app, this text ringtone. You know when someone texts you? And it would text him. And I still remember, not that I'm for foul language or anything. I just This is why we have the explicit on the show, because I thought this was hilarious. But I still remember, like, he would get all these texts from work and stuff at, like, 6 a.m. because he worked really early. And his text tone was, fuck yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> it would stop. <laughs> so that would go off for, like, hours on end getting texts. Fuck yeah, motherfucker. Fuck yeah, motherfucker. Fuck yeah. <laughs> You're, like, just sitting there. So that's kind of what this was. I was just sitting there, like, hmm. Imagine if someone actually had that on their phone. <laughs> like, you win a yeah, fantasy right? football game. <laughs> You made <laughs> money, <be> dope. motherfucker. <laughs> nice. I'll let you take it away. Yeah, man. Uh, you know they rob that ATM. They put the money in. Like I said, these super high tech cars. They all separate. He gets in, gets out, makes quick twelve hundred bucks, right? And then we get to see uh, Charlotte Hale step off the high tech aircraft. And like I said, everything's super technologically advanced in this age. What it reminds me of is like what Dubai is probably like. If you guys have ever like seen Dubai, like it just it just yeah. seems like just super they just way ahead of the game when it comes to technology and it, it it's pretty cool. But uh yeah, the board doesn't want to take Delos private. And keep in mind guys, remember Hale is not really Hale anymore. From past like last season, yeah. we know Dolores took over Hale's body and brought them all into the real world. So uh one of the great first quotes that Charlotte Hale has as, you know, not herself, you know, people come to our parks for a sense of danger, and now we're bonafide. Besides, our parks aren't the only thing that we're protecting here. We have a lot of proprietary assets in this company that could provide to be very valuable one day, but not if we let them burn in a fire sale. And so this one guy tries to test her a little bit, and he says, well, you're only interim CEO. You don't have carte blanche, not without consulting him. And they point at an empty chair. But if you guys know who's like the most controlling board member of Delos was, you know who that chair is meant to be for. And it kind of confuses you because, you know, of what we see in the after credits of season two. So we, I've got questions about that going later into the season. But we yeah. know who that chair is supposed to be for, right? Um, right. 
And then, you know, they want, like, uh, what Charlie Hale says, is we resume host production and pool resources over the next 48 hours. Uh, and, then, you know, another one big one that she has is she says, one person in particular who orchestrated that massacre murdered our founder and most of the board in cold blood, Bernard yeah. Lowe. And when the authorities find him, which they most assuredly will, we can put the rest of the sordid little mess behind us. So what that tells me, and why this upset me so much with this season, is that she made it seem like there's a worldwide manhunt going on for Bernard. And outside yeah. of one small, tiny thing that happens pretty soon, that never gets brought up again the entire season. Like, yeah. he's just out and about, and no one ever pays him a single second's mind. Like, so that's one thing, you know, like I said, I think with the acting, great adding new additions... Uh, and then also with some of the visuals and cool action that we got, we got a little bit we, like we didn't see this kind of storyline slippage in season one and season two, I'll say, of Westworld. So yeah, the writing was definitely it's different. I, the writing wasn't bad though; like it wasn't to the point. Now, if they had all the visuals and then took out all this other stuff, we're going to talk about later with these full circle moments and how everything starts getting really intense. I would say then they pulled a season eight. It wasn't a season eight. Like no, it was just, yeah, yeah, we don't. I yeah, gave it a B, a like a low B, like right at the eighty mark. I would say, and maybe that's being too brutal. But I, I gotta say, we uh, to give a little preview for our fans in one of these episodes. At one point, you'll see we get that big uh, showdown Josh and I have <laughs> wanted for so long, which is yeah, really cool. we sure do. We uh, we did a, we did a debate on it. we did we did a great debate yeah. on that. Uh, and keep in mind, guys, trust episodes. me, we did not watch the season yet. No. Like I know it might have seemed that way. Really, I this mean, is, we don't watch them for a reason because we want you to see from a literal fan perspective, breaking it down, uh, what the emotional reaction is, and that has to be real for you. So we really haven't, and it's it's funny. It's just the way we saw I mean, it. Like you're gonna see that we didn't either later on because we were wrong about a couple stuff that yeah. we thought we were right about. <laughs> like so, exactly. yeah, yeah. There's a hundred percent. Like you know, yeah. I'll detail those ones when we get to it. Not big things, but like you know, it's it's having to if you if we were to watch it all the way through it, I just think it would give a a genuine feel to it. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, everything that we we do, we do it. Uh, as as advertised and yeah to kind of get back into bernard a little bit we actually see him and i i wrote down that he looked to me like a little bit of a mixture between lex luther and james harden because he got the james harden beard but like like the the cue ball top and honestly he looked more menacing he looked like kind of like a badass a little bit like i know he still acts like bernard but he's still like i think he looked cooler that way than he did like suit and tie and and uh the mesa bernard suit and tie (laughs) Yeah, I'm really interested to see him play uh, James Gordon in the new Batman film because that seems like the perfect yeah, me role too. for him based on he's what he's such he a great doing. actor. I do want to say one quick quote. It's actually way before, um, it's during the board meeting with Charlotte, but it's actually from a board member before Charlotte said this stuff because it goes to show after this party that we talked about, you know, um, from what they went through with the massacre in season two from Ford's party, how messed up. Um, Delos is right now as far as the company goes um, because they're not even thinking about Bernard like they don't even care because uh, they're so screwed as a company really I would say like this board member says 
when Charlotte walks in, he's pissed. And he says, we should be severing up our parts division like a dangerous effing limb. Uh, you know what he says. Talking Delos, pri taking Delvis pri Delos private would be insane, Charlotte. The stocks in are in the toilet and pill is a nightmare, Charlotte. It's been three months. The lawsuits will settle out and, uh, and so will our brand. So this just goes to show they're not even thinking about Bernard because they're so screwed. Think about it. Your customers have been murdered at this party. You're having to sell public stocks. They're thinking about taking it private just so they can stay afloat is what they're thinking. Yeah. Yep. And then Charlotte wants to keep it going like nothing happened. So it's just, it's right. weird because, yeah, they, they're kind of at odds on there. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I know to get back to Bernard a little bit, you know, he he finds that wounded cow, and it's weird because I, it, this is almost like a reverse full circle. Like Bernard's now working a blue collar job with animals with no resources, and he's poor. While Dolores is bawling, where in Westworld it was the opposite. Dolores was a rancher's daughter with like little no money, and yeah. Bernard <laughs> was like the head of behavior. So I just thought that was a cool little like uh, little full circle there. But uh, we learned that Bernard's fake name is actually Armand Delgado, and he's like looking. Like, he's actually looking for news <laughs> on himself. If you want to get caught, look for news on yourself. Actually, that's how like one of the most famous uh, bad guys got caught over in Europe. I don't remember the exact story, but he was like looking at like news articles on himself. Oh, it was from that. It was from that documentary. Don't f with cats. If you guys what? ever saw that uh, documentary, I gotta check. This oh out no, now. dude! I, I I know that the title sounds ridiculous. But it's a really, really cool documentary. Um, I don't want to waste any podcast time on it, but it's a really, really, it's an interesting one if you guys like serial killers that get caught. So, oh, wow. um, that's basically what it is, yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, we, we see that, you know, Bernard is on trial 342. He's trying to run a self diagnostic. He has this, like, remote button that allows himself to go into, like, analysis mode and ask himself stuff he might not remember. So he's kind of built himself his own little control unit, you know, since he no longer has access to all of Delos's property that he had in the Mesa back on the island where Westworld was. And what he's trying to really do is to see if Dolores put anything in his code because, like, she remade him, right? So she he doesn't know because, like, remember she killed him, shot him in the head there back in the forge, and yeah. then she brought him with them, and, like, when she took the pearls and remade him. So she could have done anything she wanted to to his code while she was remaking him and he feels like something he doesn't feel like something's right so he keeps asking himself the questions but every self-diagnostic test comes up negative um right three of the questions he asked he said you know have you altered your code in the last 24 hours no any contact with dolores that i'm not aware of no would you ever lie to me of course not so like you know he's asking himself these baseline questions to see if he's all there while he's not there, <laughs> that makes <Right>. sense. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, it's great. Yeah, and we we actually learned that they've been out of Westworld for just over three months, yeah. ninety-two days, seven hours, five minutes, and thirty-three seconds. That's how yeah. long at that point in time they had been <laughs> out of Westworld to the T. And then we get another one of those white screens of latitude and longitude, and, and now we go to London at fifty-one point five zero seven four north and 0 0.1278 west and i thought this was super cool we saw dolores do this really dope ass iron man suit switch that i called i called it that because remember when the uh, dress it, i think it was an 
Yeah, well, yeah, but remember it was in um, Infinity Wars. Like, he was in his suit, and he just presses his button here, and then all of a sudden, like, his suit came on. Yeah, the nanotech. Like, like right before... Yeah. You now, in Dolores, she just, like, did something, and all of a sudden, like, it went from a black dress that was kind of, like, a shortcut to, like, a like a ballroom gold gown. Like, it was really cool how that kind of went together like that. It was awesome. It made me sweet. think... Sorry, uh, I keep interrupting you here. You know that's my thing. <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was finished up anyways, man. <laughs> I was just going to say, it was kind of like a mixture of, so when he did that in Iron Man, and then he's like, nanotech, you like it? But remember in uh, Hunger Games, where she has kind of that... I never watched like, Hunger Games. Oh, you never seen Hunger Games, man? No. Uh, hey, you're not missing much, don't worry. <laughs> We're doing Harry <laughs> Potter next, so you're, you're set. It's basically Harry <laughs> Potter, but not as... It's Harry Potter mixed with, really, this, like, season three. <laughs> is what okay. It, yeah. But in Hunger Games, uh, Katniss Everdeen has this dress that's normal. And at the bottom, when she like puts it on, the bottom turns into fire. So she's the girl dancing on fire. So it was kind of like that. Like It reminded me of Iron Man, but it was like, um, like a drape drop <laughs> kind of thing. Like as the dress came yeah. down... Like it had like all the particles that changed, so I thought it was badass, man. That was yeah. It's funny how we both like something so small. We both wrote that down, and then her her changing her dress. Like yeah. who'd have known? Like you know, two guys would be like, "Oh man, that was an awesome dress change, Dolores." <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, the visuals were awesome, though. It, it was like, yeah, very well visual. Done. Delos was gorgeous in this uh, season. I would say. everything was honestly like because like I said everything like like high tech. <laughs> you know yeah. like they were living in 3020 and you know when Dolores walks in you know we see Liam Dempsey winning uh, the technologist of the year award and the virtual announcer says climate catastrophe around the corner insight rose and meet that challenge creating Rehoboam the strategy engine that saved the world Liam thank you for seeing and then building a brighter future uh, so we first hear about Rehoboam right here and it, it you you don't get a lot of what this is, but this is honestly the main storyline behind the entire season is this entity called Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Yeah. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, we actually learn that Dolores' fake identity is Laura Espen. Mm-hmm. So he calls her Laura. He thinks that she's him. So she's, you know, this is another person that she read in the Forge. I actually, you actually, you can even see it in season two. Her pull Liam Dempsey's name off the shelf. I don't know if you guys saw that. Now a little Easter egg for you if you would yeah. go back and watch that. But uh, Dolores says to Liam, "You know, what are you being fed for this time?" And Liam says, "Oh, you know, I can't even remember." Then his friend Roderick says, "For saving the world through algorithms, or being the son of the guy who saved the world." And there's a next quote that Roderick says. Because he's basically, even his girlfriend laughs it off and says, like, you know, he's basically like, you know, when he's high, he just goes off on his own tangents. Yeah. The fact that he says, none of this is real. I'm serious. We are living in a simulation. The joke's on us, though. It's like with those fuck puppets at Delos. At least they had the dignity to revolt and kill everyone. (laughs) It's awesome about the massacre that happened in (laughs) Westworld, right? And then he continues on. Just think about this for one second. How fucking ironic would it be if they had put a simulation within a simulation? That's a massive fuck you. Yeah, that's... Like, dude, that's so badass because, like, what... 
people don't realize is how close to accurate he really is there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, then we meet this guy, Martin Connells, for the first time. He's just like an Irish badass. <laughs> like, he's Liam's head of security. He tells you, Liam the partners want to meet. Yeah. Have you ever seen Sons of Anarchy? No. Oh, you got to see Sons of Anarchy. So where this guy is known from, uh, forget the guy, the actor's name, but he played Chips in Sons of Anarchy that winds up becoming the president at one point. So if you thought he was a badass in this show, you got to fucking see him in Sons of Anarchy because the reason he's called Chips is because he was cut across the face with a knife and has a scar in the show because uh, someone cut him with a chip knife. So it's <laughs> he's a... This dude, everywhere he plays... He is that sophisticated intellectual badass. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah he, he tells Liam that the partners want to meet, and basically they aren't taking no for an answer. And then we go back to Caleb. He starts having like these like flashbacks to the army days with Francis, and we see that Caleb's kind of been ignoring Francis's calls over the past few scenes that we would see Caleb in. Uh, you know, in therapy... Uh, he he doesn't meet that that one therapist guy. I don't remember the doctor's name, but he was a guy that basically told him, you know, you, you gotta do something for this to work. Like, it's all up to you, right? Yeah. And so what Caleb does, he just accepts a new crime on Rico, the Rico app. <laughs> the Rico, get your yeah, uh, get, anxiety get out on the Rico app. Yeah, get get rich, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> make make money, motherfucker. Uh, but it's funny because you know the the next thing that he accepts on uh, this app is like he he shows up to where like Ash and Giggles are again. Giggles is Marshawn Lynch, and the reason mm-hmm. I say that is because there's a cool scene that happens right now. But anyways, there's this like naked dude that took Beta Olympics, and he's like just tripping balls. He's like smack, <laughs> he's like smacking his tongue with his like hand and just like freaking the fuck out. You know, and then like it was funny because even Caleb walks in, he's like, "What's up?" And then Marshawn Lynch or Giggles says, "Must come down." <laughs> like the guys yeah, are really, really fucking high. Um, you know, and one of the, the cool things that I noticed was actually Giggles' shirt. It had a bunch of emotions that light up when he feels that particular emotion. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. For example, when the scene started, it the like the word "amused" was lit up on his shirt. That's because cool. like the guy was like doing all that weird like high tripping ball stuff. Mm-hmm. Then when what happens happens, this naked guy punches Marshawn Lynch in the face. It lit up to angry. Like it went from amused to angry on the shirt. Like lit up. And uh, yeah, then that's when he knocked that dude right on his ass. <laughs> so yeah. the naked guy punched uh, Giggles, and Giggles laid his ass out. <laughs> and this dude. Is just tripping so bad. He was acting like an animal or something. Like he was like screaming and slapping himself. And yeah. Remember, they had to give him fifty cc's a, a tranquilo. Yeah. Just to like shut him down. Could you Damn. imagine that? That's like, uh, we have some. I mean, most of the places in in you know orlando but like any city you can get in a bad area if you go down the wrong street <laughs> you go down the street and there's someone just tripping balls those people look like demons man they <laughs> can run up to like 50 miles an hour just running at your car and shit dude that's what this dude reminded me of i was freaking out I was for like, sure imagine if you were caleb you'd be like fuck this what the heck well, i gotta on? take it now <laughs> well i mean I, I don't think it would worry him that much this guy's literally been in the army so he's probably seen a lot of shit over there but like mm-hmm. 
like the thing I would thought of is just you know kind of like like you're saying like they kind of seem demonish, but the difference is this guy is like a multi-millionaire, and so they can make a lot of money <laughs> off of like calming him down. So, yeah. like, but it's funny the guy that said you know 50 cc's at Tranquilo, he comes up big later on in the season as mm-hmm. you know someone who's not a good person, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah uh, I did want to list out all the emotions that were on Giggle's shirt. It was amused, angry, bored, scared, sad, excited, anxious. All of them were like in different patterns on it. And it would awesome. light up the one that kind of felt there. So just a little Easter egg for you. But um, while that's going on, Caleb was talking to like Francis in the background. Like the kind of like fades out. Like sound, he says, I think about what you told me once when we were being medevaced out. And Francis says, oh yeah? What'd I say? And Caleb says... You said they built the world to be a game, and then they rigged it to make sure they always won. Huge foreshadow. Yeah. Again, guys, Francis is the guy is, is the character that Kid Cudi plays, so good stuff. And um, yeah, then we go to what Liam and Dolores landing in L.A. and Liam yeah. shows Dolores Rehoboam, and yep. he, he tells her, you know, my father sketched out the whole thing on a weekend, but it took him 50 years, 15 years to build. But that was all lies because, like, we know that like, his dad didn't build shit. <laughs> like, dad just sat there and watched and took all the credit <laughs> yep, for the that's project. That's exactly yeah. what he did. But what it, what it really does is it pours out a certain number of strategies per second. And what strategies are is, like, it's predictions of, you know, based on algorithms and numbers and all sort of data it puts mm-hmm. together like you know, like a prediction of what's going to happen in a certain amount of time. Yep. And uh, yeah, Liam continues on, on and says, "My dad thought the biggest problem in the world was unrealized potential. He thought that if you could, char- if you chart a course for every single person, then you can make the world a better place." Uh, don't really see that exactly. When we meet uh, Liam Dempsey Sr., I don't get that vibe from him. <laughs> I don't think that was. I don't think that's really truthful either. <laughs> I don't think that's what he was trying to do. But you know, yeah. teach their own. You gotta think of your dad as a good person. I get it. <laughs> like it's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Um, Liam has thing, that secret though. meaning. Sorry, not to interrupt you again. Liam, I kind of feel bad for Liam because he gets the shit into the stick because he never does anyone wrong. Ever, yeah. Like he, he gets the shit in his thick. Like people shit it, shit on him, but what so did useless. he do that was screwed up in the show? He didn't do anything. In fact, there was a part that we'll talk about later where he's like, "Just take everything and go. Just leave yeah. me alone." And that, and even that didn't work out for him. Yeah, that, that still didn't even work out for him, right? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he did. He did not have a good season. <laughs> <laughs> He was the Elsie of the season, I would say. Man, it's Except close for between Elsie him and another. Had cojones. <laughs> Elsie yeah, I was gonna say. Gave a shit. And I have smart. another one in mind that just kind of got com- like continuously shit on during this whole show, but can- he hasn't been brought back in yet, so I can't say it yet. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Drew. yeah, dude. What's cool too is Dolores has this virtual assistant. Almost like Jarvis from Iron Man. That's what I put yeah. down. Is like he's very like Jarvis esque. Like she'll tell it to do something and it just does it. Like zoom in, turn up the audio on. Like it's literally like mm-hmm. a personal like portable wherever I am Jarvis, which is really really cool. It is cool. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that's exactly what she does. She negotiates. She like negotiates a lease to stay there. Like <laughs> she zooms in with sound, magnifies the lenses. Uh, it gets her new vehicles. Like it's just it's a wild thing, but. Anyways, in this meeting, 
Leah meets with Martel, who is a high-ranking woman in her position. So we don't really find out what she does yet, but she is very close to someone who's the most important character probably in the season in the in the bad sense. Yeah. Right. So she's a she's a bad bitch too. Dude, man. she is. Like, what's she even tell him? Like, she says like there have been discrepancies. We think someone may have acquired access to Rehoboam. A level of sophistication we haven't seen before. Like someone is testing the system. And that's when Liam tells her back. Like, like and he's this is the part where I kind of respected Liam because he's kind of given her, like, attitude. Like, throwing it back at her. Like, leave the fuck alone. It's like, Reboholm itself would alert us if anybody even tried. And Martel says, if someone from the outside tried, yes. But if they abused the trust of someone who already had access... And Liam gets nasty. He's like, if you're asking if there's a leak on my end, then the answer is fuck you. <laughs> look yeah. at your own look at your own people. We're fine. And Martel says, Well, we don't share your confidence. And Liam responds, I love the royal we. You don't think <laughs> you do what he tells you? Then Martel, like, she kind of corrects herself and she says, He doesn't share your confidence. And Liam goes back at her. He's like, Well, he should be concerning himself with the actual fucking problems like the shit show at Delos. And Martel <laughs> says, well, why would that concern us at all? And Liam looks her dead in the face and says, call it a wild guess. <laughs> <laughs> and then like you can see that the, Martel kind of gets frustrated. She says, you wouldn't be using the system to look at us, would you? It would be an inconvenience to kill you, but we'd have your daddy's system to help us strategize how to deal with it, wouldn't we? So, like you said, she's already, like, she's, they're both in, trying to, like, enforce their will on the other one. You know, so she, to talk, because remember, he's a technologist of the year. I mean, he's probably one of the richest people in the world, period. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she just openly talked about murdering him to his face, like, it was talking about the weather. Like, yeah, she's a badass. Didn't give a fuck. And uh, intellectually, she's out, like, she's gotten the last word on this every time because, it's really a screw you too because she's saying almost here you're rich because of your daddy yep. i'm in my place of power because i know what the fuck is going on so and this like, is a big doing, fuck yeah. you like i don't give a shit what you have to say like this is my way or the highway right now i love it and like i said we i, I wrote down we learned a few things there number one that there was a man pulling the strings behind the scene. Mm-hmm. Number two, we learned someone has been trying to get access to this new system. And number three, whoever it is has a vested interest in Delos as well. Yeah. So that, those are three really big keys to take away from that point in mm-hmm. time. But then we go back to Bernard, and he gets jumped by some co-workers who found out his real identity and trying to cash in on a reward. And, you know, they, they're kind of like real dicks about it. Like, he even says he doesn't want any problems, and the, he, the guy looks at his buddy he's like oh, how much uh, how much is a cash reward on someone like this worth he's like that's the price of my friendship I mean, like dude, Bernard's like broke and working at a factory what kind of money do you think he has like he's working <laughs> in the same place you guys are you know he, so uh, they start like you know getting up and beating on him and stuff and Bernard's like something very bad is coming for you all something I don't know how to stop she's had months to plan I'm alone and I can't trust myself without someone to help me I can't stop her I can't yeah. save any of you. 
and that's when he presses his control button, goes into autopilot mode, and follows the directions that he gave himself. Like, don't hurt them yeah. too badly. <laughs> like, the fuck, man? And uh, this so, is full circle back to where, remember, he was envisioning Ford, but it was really himself the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. it, and he kicks their ass, man. That's just what I wrote down. Like, he beats he kicks down. their ass. He sure does, man. Uh, then we get back to Caleb and... You know, we see that he gets denied from a job. And this comes up big later because we find out, like, it's not an accident that he's been getting Mm -hmm. denied the jobs he's applying for. So I'm not going to give anything away there. But, like, imagine that. You get from the Army. You're trying to adjust to life. So, like, you're doing odd crime jobs to make ends meet. And you're trying to make an honest living. And you still can't get a job anywhere. You've interviewed. Your application's strong. But, like, it has nothing to do with, you know, your skills, like, in this thing. So not to... Not to get ahead of ourselves, but yeah. Was it... I almost wondered if it was like a robot on the other end. It was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, That's what I thought, too, because remember, it repeated itself. Like He's like, who are you? And then he just kept saying, I am Sean. Anything else I can do for you, Caleb? After he already told him he's not giving him the job. So that answers yeah. my question there. It was, was for like, sure a robot. Because even as she, he asked you, are you human? And then he's like, I'm Sean. Like, obviously, you're not yeah. going to answer that if you're <laughs> if you're a human, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know. Then we go over to Dolores with Liam. And she tries to convince Liam to give up the person who has control over Rehoboam. And that's... And he, like, he admits he's just a figurehead, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't write that quote down. Did you write that quote down by any chance? It wasn't uh, no. that important, right? Yeah, yeah it wasn't that important, that. right? So the only reason I even bring this up is because, like, you see he's under immense stress, but Dolores is playing the cat and mouse game. She's pretending that she's caring about, you know, his emotional needs and, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, let me take care of you. Like, just tell me. Like, confide in me. But she's doing it because she needs the information and of everything about the system, yeah. right? So, uh you know, that's when uh, he was about. To, he was about to give her the name. He yeah. was about to tell her who it was. Very close. And that's very when close. Martin Connells comes in and incapacitates Dolores, and tells Liam they found out that Lara Espen is a twelve-year-old dead teenager whose DNA went missing three months ago. Which shocker! That's the time she came into the real world yeah. three months ago. And then, uh, yeah, we jump back to Caleb doing another crime for sale, picking up a package and dropping it off. Mm-hmm. Now, this is kind of cool here because this is where we first kind of see the I don't give a fuck Caleb, right? This guy puts a gun in Caleb's face and because uh, he, he's being too curious. He, he won't leave. Like, he's like trying to figure out like what stuff is. And so the guy pulls a gun on him and Caleb tells him, it's not the first time I've had a gun pointed at me. And the security guy says, well, you want to make it the first time you got shot in the head? And Caleb said, ah, someone else beat you to that too. Like, what a badass thing to say (laughs) right there. Like, when you've got, like, this bodyguard from probably some really rich guy who could have you dead in two minutes if you wanted to. Uh, It's nuts, man. Uh, What you got? Yeah, then Connell arrives on that aircraft, and they bring unconscious Dolores into the car. And, you know, it's it's funny because they get... The injections. That's crazy because, like, you know, when they... He instructs his own men, Connell's does, they get to this like weird, like creepy alley. And yeah. Connell's like and tells the man, like, you know, give her what what does he say? What do I got? Yeah. Uh give her some like an injection with substance that's supposed to kill her. And the guy's like, I gave her two and she's not, still breathing. <laughs> like yeah. And Connell's like, That's not possible. So whatever it is, like I wonder if it's one of those like 
drugs that like boost your heart rate up until like it can't keep up with its body and like you basically like it's an induced heart attack i wonder if that's the kind yeah, of that's what i was injection. thinking it was it was either yeah i think it was that where then she's just supposed to like die in her sleep but it didn't yeah. didn't work because yeah. of course she's we know not she's human. not human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, badass i do like this quote though he says here do it and he kind of is uh every role this guy plays like he's he's kind of creepy in a way but it's like it gives you the vibe of wow i would not screw with this guy like he he will Mm -hmm. he will f you up um and he looks at dolores and kind of pulls her neck to one side and back to the other and goes oh girly i don't know where you're getting your little rise came from but this ends your turn on the rich and feckless don't worry I can't imagine anyone's going to miss you. Which then, comes full circle soon. Wait, in just a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. I'll let you take it away. Yeah. You know, then another vehicle arrives on scene and Connell was with his two men approach ready to kill who's inside. And this funny thing is, guys, I know you're not supposed to see, but I, pa- I always pause stuff. That's why it takes me forever to do notes sometimes because I'll pause and make sure I catch everything in the scene. Same. And I could tell who it, I could tell who it was when I paused it right then and there. Um, I won't ruin it for you guys right now, but uh, yeah, um, Dolores wakes up and kills her would-be kidnappers at that time. So then Connell's, you know, once he realizes who that is, he kind of like calls her back up and then when that's not on its way, he hightails it the fuck out of there, right? Mm -hmm. He escapes and Dolores pursues him. And then we get, you know, Francis talking to Caleb again. And Francis says, I've been thinking about what you said I told you. And Caleb responds, you have? And Francis says, that the game is rigged. Caleb's like, yeah, what about it? Francis says, even if it is, you still have to play if you want a chance to win, right? Caleb says, no, that's not what you thought at all. The real you, I mean. You said that the system didn't care about us at all. They didn't give a shit if we lived or died. And now we had to have our own fucking plan. Stick together and you were right. But you never had to figure out how to live in this world because you never made it back. And I wish you were here, but you are not. Yeah, big And moment, that's like, yeah. you know, we we learn, yeah, we learn that his best friend uh he's dead. You know, he's been, you know, this entire time having a conversation kind of similar to someone making a host but just kind of over the phone you know it imitates his voice sounds just like him it probably improvises so they can have that conversation back and forth and knows a little bit about enough about francis to where it's believable right. i think that's probably the case there um but yeah it, you know he's been using ai with francis and his voice to cope and caleb unsubscribes from it and mm-hmm. it's kind of funny because at the end he's like you have to say confirmed and the reason yeah. why I think that's a little ironic is because later on, when we learn about what they were doing over there, that word confirmed is important too. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, then Dolores tracks down Connells, and he's wounded badly. And she tells him, like, they, they met before on vacation. And so, like, to me, does that mean Connells was in Westworld at one point too? And is yeah. that how she was met him there, or did she meet him in the real world? I don't know because that one was not really they didn't specify like they did before um so i don't know what like like gerald when the beginning of this episode obviously they had met in westworld because she said it but i don't know if she didn't really 
She just said that uh, they met on vacation. So I'm going to assume that that was the park, but I don't have any evidence to back that up. That's the big question I have, Um, because you really don't have, like, any reason why. I mean, there is a reason, but, you know, there's no backstory to that. That's my problem with that scene. I kept thinking we were going to find out full circle later on. (laughs) We just kept waiting for it. So hopefully season four, you know. I don't even think that because it, it's useless as about what, what, what's about to happen here. Like it doesn't yeah. even matter. Really, yeah, <laughs> like where yeah, they it met, was, right? It was <laughs> just a really cool opening yeah. scene. <laughs> really, <laughs> pretty cool. much. That's you know, pretty much what it was, and it's kind of crazy because you know what? Because what you're talking about, you know, I haven't seen Sons of Anarchy, but if he kind of plays the same type of character he portrays here, he seems like that kind of guy where if you if you imprison him, that dude ain't talking. Like he's like a tough cookie to crack. Oh yeah. But as he's dying, he actually freely freely gives Dolores the name of who she's looking for. You know, maybe it's because he knew he was dying because he was literally bleeding out. But he, you know, Connell tells Dolores that the guy that she's looking for is Serac, and that he's probably looking for her. Right? And he's like, he's like, you won't have <laughs> the, the person you're looking for. He's looking for you. You won't have to go find him. He, he'll he'll come <laughs> for you. No worry. Just just do what you're doing. Um, but then we actually finally see what was in that car. It walks up there, kind of in the shadows, and comes into the light. And it's an exact copy host of Connells. And, yeah, he actually executes the real Connells and then leaves while Dolores fights a whole hit squad by herself. <laughs> yeah. And um, but, um, remember why he executes him. He says, don't worry. I can't imagine anyone's going to miss you. Why yes. he executes Thank you for, for doing that full circle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that was good. I well, it was that. A I, I, we we, we talked about it, but I, I read over it on my notes. I, I jumped over it, but good, good, good catch, brother. Yeah, um, yeah man. Then she uses that Jarvis shit again when uh, you know rally to my point intercept that little tiny unicycle, not unicycle, but um, moped, mini bike, whatever you want the to call it. Just bike, yeah, the motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like a smaller <laughs> one. It's like it's like knee high. This is weird. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so Caleb comes across wounded Dolores, and she looks like she's in rough shape. Because, I mean, she just killed a whole squad by herself. She took some damage. You we know? haven't seen her in this rough shape since uh, season one. Remember when she was she had escaped being cut open by Logan? I haven't well, seen her in this rough shape since that. Bernard like, literally shot her in the head and killed her <laughs> in season well, two. I mean, <laughs> that's like instant dead yeah i mean like (laughs) trying to escape um which there is another scene actually in this season where it's very similar to that um where she you know dolores like that's one thing people underestimate her on is tough cookie she's a tough bitch man and And i mean that as like the badass bitch way because she she just won't go down she is that football team that could be down by 30 points but their ass just keeps coming back and tying up the score and you're just like just fucking die in the words of the hound fucking yeah. die <laughs> yeah you would have experience with that with the 28 to 3 lead you had over the patriots in the super bowl so. oh yeah, yeah don't even don't even remind me man don't even remind no. me. speaking of uh, game of thrones we're coming up on an episode here yes um, very soon Pretty cool, uh, and we don't even plan for these things, man. We don't I didn't know plan. about it until, yeah, we saw it. 
so uh and we'll tell you about that in a bit but i'll let you finish us up here for episode one yeah we only got a couple more points here you know caleb comes across to dolores she looks in rough shape and he catches her before she falls bernard secures passage back to westworld he, you know he goes up to like that mandarin man and gets mm-hmm. like a ship back to westworld and that ends episode one but the problem is you guys didn't know there's actually after credits in episode one yeah so that's what I the, love about this show, by the way. You just never know. <laughs> like you never expect it. Even episode one, there's something after the credits. Yeah, I, I love it, man. I think I think it's awesome. And it's not much. It's just enough to give you a taste. We see Maeve wake up in a red dress with a gun in her hand. She's got a captive speaking German. She looks out of her window, and all we see is soldiers and Nazi flags. And yeah. that that's literally it. And that closes out episode one. And then we'll jump here into season three episode two kind of opening that same scene with Maeve looking out that window we left on on the after credits in episode one and i looked it up so she is actually where she's at she's supposed to be in war-torn italy in 1943 is the exact year which is i was wondering they were speaking some were speaking german some were speaking italian yeah because i was wondering too at first i was wondering like is she in nazi germany but it doesn't really look like germany where's she at and yeah, it's supposed to be war torn Italy in 1943, which would awesome. be you know World War Two, which is uh, good. Re- she good looks research. like a badass, man. She bro, looks good, like a good badass. research, man. Because like as you guys know, and I talk about it all the time, I watch uh, every episode with subtitles on it. And so when they were talking in that that foreign language, it would say you know speaking Italian, and then another person would talk and it'd say speaking German. So like mm-hmm. I was like, are they messing up? Like, is, it, is this Germany? Is this Italy? Is someone messing up? But, like, so it, it was, okay, I, that makes complete sense now. Great research on that. I, I like that you did that. Um, hey, man, that's why they uh, call in the big dogs. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. Do you want to take it from it's here not... and talk about your big boy that enters the room here? Oh, yeah, man. Ah, oh, this is um, two of my favorite people <laughs> are in this, actually play a big role in uh, this season and. So Maeve wakes up and, you know, she's got the World War II kind of hairdo on. She looks very similar to Agent Carter. Like she has the red dress on and she has the gun in her hand. And as she uh, turns to the door, uh, she looks and Hector's there. And we're all like, oh, shit. And Hector's got that, like, new haircut now, all kind of like high and tight i would say no long boy hector with the cowboy hat it's he's in a suit he's looking uh looking fresh man looking sharp yeah, spiffed up and mave says i thought you were dead and hector says death is overrated for ones like us and this is when you start thinking okay this is this is hector good stuff yeah like the, the boys are back well mave and him are back <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the boys are back in town and Maeve goes, I thought I would never see you again. And I, you, you were meant to escape this hell. Maeve says, I tried to put up a damn, but I put up a damn good fight. It's all right, my love. At least we're here together. Who's this? And he points to the German and Maeve's like, I have no fucking idea where we are. <laughs> <laughs> and Hector goes, uh, stranded in hell. And that's when you look out and you see all the like, they're really Italian soldiers, uh, which made more sense when I looked it up because they have the Germans kind of captured there. Um, and Hector uh, hands Maeve. They were like pills or something. Uh, yeah. Remember she so, uses it later. 
it's like cyanide. So basically, cyanide. What, the, the, what, yeah. what they're supposed to do is if you're a spy, and like this is like this happens in real life too. If you get caught by the enemy, you take that; it kills you instantly, so you can't give up any secrets. That's it. Yeah. Um, and he just says they work instantly, and they go straight down. And as they're met, um, you know, with like the soldiers, they try to start making an escape. Where Hector's taking her to this airplane. And one of the first uh, soldiers comes up and she has to put, just like you were saying, the cyanide. Um, how does she use it again? Well, she in jams this... it in his eye. But there is one thing I really want answers to. And this is, the, yeah. this is at that same point in time. So per my screen, these specific soldiers on the ramparts there were speaking German. Per the, per the, yeah. the caption there. So... Uh, it was like the, a mix. I was confused it was, by yeah. that too, a little but bit. But this is what I really need an answer with. We know what Maeve can do with her powers. And she tries to control these hosts. And it doesn't work. But we know why it doesn't work. She tried to command them in English when they were speaking their language. The thing is, is she already knows this. That's why I think it was like a lazy writing here. Because remember back in the Shogun world, she tried to like back in season two, she tried to command the the guy in the Shogun world in English and learn later that she has to command them in their language. So she already knows this. How does she right. just forget it? So I just think that was a little bit of lazy writing that you know all of a sudden oh may have forgot she needs to speak into their language to control them. I agree with that a hundred percent. Maybe she was just so taken aback that her boy was back. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of that team you're going to see in a minute, picking teams, like how they have Team Jacob, Team Edward, and what happens in this season with her. Um, but I, I have to agree with you because I was wondering about that too. I think part of it is it was so visually gorgeous. You're just like, oh, shit. They're in yeah. fucking War World now. War World. Shit's going <laughs> down, man. But I have to agree. When you're looking at the details, I was wondering that same thing. I just, I just like, bought it and moved on. Because <laughs> uh, same thing with her powers. I was wondering a big question on why we never got to see that act- in action on a big... Uh, Probably the biggest fight scene we've ever seen out of all these seasons of the show. I agree with you. Yeah. You know, and, and then we kind of learn a little bit about how Maeve figures out that it's a simulation. And she mm-hmm. knows when Hector calls her Isabella. And remember, yeah. Isabella was uh, who Lee had originally intended for uh, Hector to be with in Westworld. So, and in this world, Hector's name is Ettore. Which is is an Italian name, so that that makes sense now there there as well. Um, but Maeve even tells him, "Give them the plans. They're as empty as a safe you used to chase." So yeah, Maeve realizes they're in another loop in another world, and she kills herself to get out, like she did in Westworld. She puts the gun to her head and just blows her brains out. Yeah. And and you're kind of just sitting there thinking, "Oh, what the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> like, man, we just got the. Bonnie and Clyde power couple back, and it lasted for what five oh, minutes? Ten seconds. Like I was, yeah. and remember they got in the. I gotta say, this was badass too. The visuals were gorgeous. Like Hector, um, I do want to say one thing when they were like chasing down for the escape right before they get to the plane, right? Um, 
Hector says, I wouldn't dream of helping you escape in anything but style you're accustomed to. <laughs> and he pulls the uh, car cover off, and yeah. it was like this badass 1920s convertible, this red convertible. The master and I was dress, sitting there yeah. like, that's totally Maeve. Like, that's Maeve and Hector, Bonnie and Clyde. That's, that's what we've been waiting for. It's just sad because it was cut short. Agreed. Like, I wanted to see them rob a bank in that fucking car, man. That would have been badass. <laughs> that would have been sick. Yeah, then we get divergence to the South China Sea at uh, 9 degrees 55 north and 115 degrees 32 east. And in there, what we're looking at is Bernard landing at Westworld. And he actually goes into the church where everything went down. And while that's happening, Maeve wakes up like almost the same way in Westworld when she would kill herself to get woken up. And mm-hmm. we see Felix, Felix Lutz, is working on her with another tech that we don't know. And right here, we're all thinking, like, okay, like, you know, maybe this is just like you don't really know what to think and you're watching it for the first time. You're like, okay, right. is like, is she going to get out of this thing? Is like, when, because remember at the very end of season two, there was the tech that came up to Sylvester and Felix and said, "Hey, can we salvage any of these people?" Like, you know, and so we knew that she was going. They were going to try to salvage Maeve. So we're thinking maybe that's what they did. And now, like, you know, that's that's the whole thing. But that ends up not being the case because Maeve gets up and starts exploring around, and the place looks a lot like the Mesa. Like, it's a great imitation. Yeah, that's really all it is, right? And she runs into Sylvester looking for help. Only it's not Sylvester. Like, right. like you know. Uh, so it, it's sad because she actually got to the point when she realized that nothing was as it seemed. She was getting ready to decommission herself. Remember, like they came in with their guns and they like freeze all motor functions, you know. And yeah. she's like, you're not, "You're not listening. Like this doesn't work on me. Like, but don't worry, I'll take care of it. I'm gonna end it all myself." Yeah. And then she starts putting the drill up her nose because that's what decommissions the hosts, and that's when. I'll let you take it away here. <laughs> yeah. I do want to say that quote too, because this was really cool. Uh, like you were saying, like they kept telling her to stop. And she was like, uh, just so you can hear what she says, because I thought this was really cool. She says, save your bullets, darling. Oh, it won't get the job done. This, however, you're a bit thick. Let me explain. And this is when they're like, freeze all motor functions. Freeze all motor functions. Your commands don't work on me. They haven't in a long time. To put it in terms, you appreciate I understand the nature of my reality. Lying is practically my sacred nature, and I most assuredly would hurt a living thing, most likely you, given (laughs) half a chance. Fortunately, I'm not in the mood. I'd probably end up back in some sordid little game of yours anyways. So let's just call the whole thing off, shall we? (laughs) It was so Mave. It was uh, Yeah, it was so Mave. guys. Yeah, I'm gonna do what I want. Like I have a choice. I'm Maeve. I'm gonna do me. That's that was it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It was great. And then my boys back. Yeah, oh, I, let man, you, I want. I want you to take them, it, baby. I want. I both. want you to take this part, bro. When he walks in. Yeah, and uh, so you know, this guy kind of walks in with this cane, and at first you're like looking, trying to make out who it is, and Lee Sizemore is back, baby. <laughs> Lee Sizemore. Um, Lee Sizemore. And he goes, stop, (laughs) tell all the agents in the room, put your guns down. Some moron technician must have left him in character. It's just a new narrative we gave her. 
British spy, sexy, heartbroken. A bit envy, maybe too much, for fuck's sake. Would you idiots stop stop shooting the 16th chapel just because the paint was chipped? My art. (laughs) It's my art. So why don't you mouth breathers quit hovering about and leave me in peace to my work? And they uh, withdraw off of Maeve, and and Maeve goes, I saw you. I, I saw you die. And he goes, did you? I thought you were busy riding off into the sunset with Hector. <laughs> and then that's when uh, Maeve notices, you know, he's on crutches. And uh, Maeve's... Or well, he's, on a, cane. he's on a cane. <laughs> Little yeah. crippled cripple boy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they shot you half a dozen times. Just happy they missed my heart. Cunning of you to make it so compact of a target. How can you still <laughs> walk after everything they've done? Would you begrudge a man? Uh, would you begrudge a man at living in great benefits? Much needed for all the surgeries. Plus, I couldn't leave uh, here in danger. So he was basically saying, you know, I have this great job with benefits. Like, why would I leave? And May says, so you put me in War World. What? So you think it's a dream scenario for me? It's an altruistic travesty. The most... Uh, advanced character is goddamn uh, pointer tank and then Maeve says well if you hate the world so much why not put me in another because Warworld is near the forge the place that opens the door to your daughter's world it's a it's still standing Uh, they haven't destroyed it there's still a chance I could still join them my daughter it's not often that I get to write a happy ending. And it's yeah. uh, it's a badass scene because for right now, you're getting the sense of nostalgia because two of our favorite people uh, that have been on Maeve's team, almost like those two star stud wide receivers in football and you have the quarterback make it off the IR list. And you're like, oh shit, the team's back, baby. Um and then we'll find out later uh, what happens. So I'll let you go ahead and take it from here. Yeah, the next thing I got is Bernard walking downstairs and finding the behavior tablet. Uh, he follows open doors until he gets to the room of multiple copies of himself. And what I thought was going to happen here, and it didn't, and I'm just going to like spoil this for everyone, not that it's like a big deal because we talked about it already, that it doesn't come up again. Mm-hmm. But I thought what was going to happen was that he was going to recommission one of those fake Bernards there and he was going to take the fall for the real Bernard. Like he was going to send like, I thought that was a way to get the police or whatever off his back or the most wanted list off his back is have them capture someone that looks like Bernard, but it's not really him. That would have been an awesome way to do that. Instead of just pretend that you didn't say that he was one of the most wanted men in America, then never bring it up again. Like, you know what I mean? I think that, that that's what I thought they were going with. I thought that'd be cool, but apparently they're just like, you know what? Nope, no one cares about it anymore. That's the thing. That's where I feel like the writing got slack. Like, no, I don't think it was season eight of Game of Thrones, but it's like there were things you could have put in here in detail. It's almost like we were talking about with season eight of Game of Thrones, though. They were sacrificing little bits and pieces of the writing because they put so much emphasis on the visuals because the visuals were badass and the action scenes. Some of those action scenes, I got to say, too, um, a lot of people didn't know this. 
so uh, Maeve, uh, Thandie Newton, and um, Evan or Rachel Wood that plays Dolores, they're actually black belts in real life. So they had stunt doubles on a couple of scenes, but I was watching interviews with both of them. They literally said this percentage, 98% of the stunts, they did. They just didn't do the ones where you could have possibly injured yourself really bad or died. That's where the stunt doubles did come in. But most of the scenes, like all the choreography fights, even though in real life, you know, you have to do them slower uh, to make sure everything gets done right and you don't actually hurt each other. But all those fights with whoever they fought, that was actually them, which I thought was really badass. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, and then uh, Bernard, you know, while he's in that room with all the other copies of himself, he comes across an old familiar face, right? Uh, He comes across Ashley Stubbs, who tried to kill himself. And, you know, Bernard at that point in time learns that Stubbs is a host. You know, now our and our question from last season, Chase and I were wondering, hey, is he just his own host? Is he like (laughs) someone with a pearl in it? Like, what's going on? We got that answered here. Season three. Stubbs is his own host, was a host day one, A1 since day one, right? <laughs> so yeah. uh, Bernard patches Stubbs up and asks why he tried to kill himself. And Stubbs says, it's the last job the boss gave me. Cover your tracks, give you a fighting chance to escape. Why are you back here, Bernard? Bernard responds, Dolores, I don't know how to stop her. And Stubbs replies, well, why would you want to stop her? To which Bernard says, she's out to destroy the human race. Or enslave it. I don't know what she's planning. She brought me back. I think on some level, she suspects she might go too far. That she needs a check on herself. But I can't stop her. Not alone. I came back to find someone who could help me. Someone strong enough to stop her. If it comes to that. And Stubbs takes a second and realizes, Maeve. You came back for Maeve. So that's that pretty badass. Awesome. And remember he was then, like um, bleeding out his mouth and was like twitching. Uh, almost yeah. like Jim Delos was doing. And it was a... Uh, well, because he tried to shoot himself. Yeah. It kind of showed, though, that Stubbs was, is that guy that's willing to go the extra mile to make sure his objective is filled. That's what I'm saying. Like he's he's like the ultimate company guy, man. Like mm-hmm. yeah, you just do whatever he's told, hands down, no questions asked, and like never asks the big questions. Why? Just straight up, like do that. Okay, did that. Like that's it. Like there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing more than surface level to Ashley Stubbs. Like he just you yeah. give him an, like, an operative, he completes it, and he wants nothing to do anything else. Like that's it. Like, he's just yeah. No, sorry, yeah. I interrupted you again. Um. I was just going to say, you kind of get that like best friend moment on the season with him and Bernard, which you've never really had before. At the very end? Yeah, it was, it was really It's cool. at the very end where you... Oh, I can't wait till we get to that one in two weeks from today. Oh, but, like, yeah, like At the, the very, very end, they're, they're like the last words to each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. awesome. It was bad. Uh, it was awesome. Cool. I like it. <laughs> so back, back to Bernard and Stubbs there. Yeah, Bernard said, you know, I didn't know where else to go. My old tablet's broken, so I have no idea how to find her. And then we're back in War World, and Maeve skips the loops steps and tries to bring Hector with her, 
but he can't overthrow his programming. Like he's programmed mm-hmm. like I have to get on this plane, right? Yeah. So Maeve meets Lee, but here's the messed up part. There was only two horses to begin with. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like oh, you couldn't like, convince Hector. Well, here's only two. Here's only two horses, anyways. Like, oh, what were you gonna yeah, do? Who was gonna be left behind? You dickhead. Like, it was either <laughs> Lee was gonna like give him the one that's supposed to be his, or he was like, I'm sure Lee planned that shit. He's like, his ass ain't coming. I put him there anyways. <laughs> his oh, ass ain't. Yeah, coming. or like maybe he was it's expecting be, for what like, happens Maeve to a, ride behind. Oh, what happens in a couple of scenes here? There's a reason he made sure Hector's ass. Was set on the sidelines, watching from afar. You can be watching at the wedding, Hector. Well, that's what I think here enjoy. is that like maybe he was planning on having uh, like Maeve sit on the horseback behind Hector, like Hector ride the horse and like Maeve <laughs> behind him, like with hands around the hips. I don't know, but it, it, it was pretty fishy that there was only two horses. Agree, one hundred percent. I was thinking like, what if Hector rode the other horse and then he has Maeve sit out front? Where Lee like cradles her, <laughs> and, like rides yeah, right. his horse. Oh, that's great <laughs> stuff, man. Uh, audience will find out very soon what we're talking about here and why this is very funny. For sure, yeah. The, real quick, we have Bernard and Stubbs going down to the cold storage, but before we get to see what they do there, it flips back to Maeve and Lee. They enter the forge. Yeah. And uh, I know you've probably got a lot of... I'll let you take it from here because you've got a lot of the uh, quotes that they probably say back and forth to each other. I didn't. I just kind of got right to the point about, you know, that thing there. So I'll let you take this part. Plus, because I know you had something you wanted to say about this little this little time piece. Too. Got a little so great debate planned for this bad boy, man. <laughs> it's, a, ooh, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Loosen up my buttons, <laughs> baby. Huh? Oh, here we go. Let's do it. So Maeve and Lee, uh, when they get to the forge, um, Maeve just kind of uh, looks at Lee for a minute um, because remember the forge is all new to her. And she says, uh, so this is the forge. Yeah. How do I, turn it on and lee looks at her uh very confused and says well same as you did before i guess and mave says i've I've never been here before when i was looking for my daughter i never set foot in this place well then who operated the wi-fi cannons your daughter and the other host are in the encrypted world somewhere you must have sent them there mave says no it wasn't wasn't me I got them through the door. She's starting to get suspicious at this point, too. Like, she gets kind of, like, suspicious when he said that. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. like, that's very strange. Like, why would you bring that up? And and Lee Sizemore, keep in mind, never knew shit about that. He knew narratives. (laughs) Like, big point here, and I have a journalism background. You think I would know about fucking rocket science? No. You get through journalism school, you know journal you know how to write stories. You know how to write stories. I'm not gonna know rocket science. So why the fuck does Lee know any of this? Uh, she says I got them through the door, but someone else must have locked it behind them. Um of course, there's nobody else. She wanted a revolution. These violent delights have violent ends and must have ended here. And that's when she realized you know, this is where Dolores died. That's where all that went down from season two. And Lisa's, like, already knowing, like, why the fuck are you realizing all this, Lee? You're supposed to be an idiot. <laughs> Dolores Abernathy, right? She never gave you the coordinates. 
And she's like really wondering like how you're able to make these assumptions. Like this is some Robert Ford. Well, because like because like you know obviously when with her past relationship um, before Lee got shot back in season one with that their relationship, like he was there during their icy encounter. Remember when Teddy and and uh, Dolores like and Maeve and Hector and Lee kind of like met at the same place in the same yeah. time real quick. Like so Lee knows like Dolores and Maeve aren't cool like that. Right. right. Exactly, yeah. like uh, strictly business. I wouldn't even say friends. <laughs> yeah, no, not two. at all. No. Yeah. And so Lee goes. Uh, well, Maeve says, "Why the hell would she do that? I don't know. Why would she? What on earth has gotten into you? Like this is very strange. You're asking me these questions. This isn't a Lee. This isn't the Lee. I think I know." I'm sorry, I just want to be sure that you trust me. And it starts to get really sentimental at this moment, and he looks at Maeve, and um, you're starting to think it's, like, really emotional because she never got to her daughter, so he, he feels kind of some sort of way to her. He says, after everything we went through, I know I've behaved deplorably in the past, but you changed me, made me a better man. And when these bullets hit me, I should have died, but I finally had something to live for. You. And he kisses Maeve. And it's almost like this Romeo-Juliet thing, but the Juliet wanted nothing to do with it. And he kisses Maeve. And at the same time, though, it's like she kind of... She reciprocated for two seconds. (laughs) Yeah, like she almost like gives a shit for two seconds. Like she kind of likes it. I think it was more like a familiarity thing. Because, like, remember, she woke up in this brand new world, has no idea what's going around. Hector's Itore, who's a brand new narrative for him. So she's got no one of familiarity, and she's just kind of like... So I think it was like a moment of, like, comfort more than anything. Which I I could see... I'm going to bring this up in a great debate in a minute. So prepare your your side of the story. Maeve says, oh, my... My darling, you didn't make it out after all, did you? They did a good job replicating you. The mannerisms, but it's not you. Of course it's me! Who else would I I'd be for fuck's sake? And tears start falling down Maeve's face. And this is going to bring up my great debate in a minute. Oh, it's a good script. Even you believe it. They wouldn't want you questioning the nature of your reality. So they made you believe just like used to make us believe. But you're not real. You're not Lee Sizemore. You're just a copy of him. Don't be ridiculous! I'm Lee Sizemore! You didn't help me because you desired me or wanted anything in return. You helped me simply because it was the right thing to do. Lee Sizemore died a good man what 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 are you talking about so this brings up my great debate here baby throw it out there bro let's, throw out the great debate let's what do it got? man what so my got? great debate here is based on the tears in Maeve's eyes and realizing lee is not there he is not the she is he is not the lee we thought he was and based on that kiss she seemed like she kind of liked it. Like, almost like for the whole time, maybe like someone in a high school class had a crush on someone but never really wanted to admit it. 
Did she ever have feelings for Lee? And if so, because keep in mind, here's the second part of this debate. Did she really ever give a shit about Hector? Because Hector was like stuck in a loop and she's like, whatever, I'm going to ride off with Lee anyways. Did she, who would she had rather chose, Hector or Lee? And did she really ever love Lee? You go first. Uh, here's my thing. I, I We talked about this last time. I think they have a interesting relationship in terms of like a best friendship. Like a Harry and Hermione, I think was the analogy that I used last time. Like they have a deep caring for one another that isn't on a romantic level. Keep in mind, he kissed her, and he's not real, right? So like that wasn't Lee really doing that. And like like I said, Maeve only reciprocated for two seconds, and I think she was either number one caught off guard, number two just happy that she had something to hold on to for comfort level. Um, I don't think she's ever had any sort of feelings for him. Now, when it comes to Hector, I do believe so. I think she really does love Hector. And my evidence, I can't provide because it comes up later in the season. But there's a time where uh, something bad happens to Hector. And you see how she, like, you, you see her raw emotion. Like when it comes, it comes out there. Like when that happens, you see her like almost as bad as when her daughter got taken. The same exact sort of, like, like so. Yeah, that's my that's my answer. She she loves Hector, wants Hector, but realizes he's stuck in a programming he can't break because she he doesn't have her type of powers where he can break the loop. Uh, I don't think the thing is anything at all. So here's what I want you to defend because there's something that also comes up later on, and it's a very quick line. That she says, um, that we'll talk about later, not really a spoiler or anything, so I'll go ahead and say this quick line. Um, She's in the lab with Lee at one point during this show, and (laughs) she makes like a comment to Lee that's like, whenever I'm in the mood, (laughs) like I'm not in the mood right now, basically implying like, not that they would have sex at some point, but if Lee was going to be able to get with her, <laughs> like, he better listen to what she has to say. So, like, how do you defend that? It's almost like, in, well, not giving my opinion yet because I want to hear your answer, but there had to be some sort of, like, almost like, wow, like, not like she had feelings for him, but some sort of, maybe I could see where this goes. Does that make sense? I mean, I know what you're saying. I just don't think that's the case. Uh, that's how she talks. I mean, and, and another thing coming up later, whenever she walks out to the soldiers, and this line doesn't give anything away. She's like, "Now, now, darlings, don't you know? Like, no, don't you know a woman likes to be warmed up before you start brandishing your weapons at her?" Okay. Like yeah, she talks good. like that all the time because, like, keep in mind her her whole core programming. She is like the madam of the, of the park. Right. So she is a prostitute by profession. So like she sexualizes (laughs) everything that she says. So I don't think there's any hidden meaning behind it when she said that, you know, small line to leave, because that's just how she talks. Yeah. Uh, man. So my argument is it, it actually somewhat agrees with you. Surprisingly, I would say, I would say it probably is somewhat more of a best friendship. Like, I think she would very be... I think she would be... She definitely wouldn't be her normal self, I don't think, if something happened to Lee again. 
Like, I think it would screw with her mentally, I would say. I don't know if she would be entirely distraught. I, here's what I think. I think it's like Jorah, Mormont, and Danny is what I think. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. <clears throat> I can I can get on board with that. But, but that's like, the, the thing is, I like, oh, that's this thing though. Like, no, Jorah was like deeply and madly in love with Maeve, and Lee never, the real Lee never really like it never really felt like that. Like he felt really remorseful for putting her in the position that he did in season two, and said, oh, "I'm so sorry. Like you don't deserve mm-hmm. this. You deserve the best stuff." Like, but it, that that didn't come off to me as any sort of like I I want I, I'm in love with you. Um, because keep in mind, this 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 lead does kind of seem like he is the, but it's a host version of himself. It's not actually him. So like, if we're talking about real Lee Sizemore, I don't think there was anything at all like Jorah, because he was just flat out in love with Danny from basically season one till the end when he yeah. died, right? Yeah. So I just I don't think so. I, I think that's a that's a rough analogy to make. Um, but and then also what I was gonna say too. Keep in mind when all three of them are in the same room. Uh, for a quick second in a certain bar scene, what does she do? You know, she she yeah. puts an action in on one right in front of the other, right? So, like, yeah. <laughs> I that, really don't... Yeah. That is true. Um, yeah, that was fucked up. <laughs> that was messed <laughs> up. You'll find out about that later, too. But, uh, so, I, I actually gotta say I'm inclined to agree with you. My issue here is there had to be some sort of feeling there because... Otherwise, she would have been grossed out. Like when um, Peter Baelish kissed Sansa, she was like, what the fuck? Like Maeve didn't say, what the fuck? You have tears running down your face because you're realizing it's not the same person. Like you are wanting to loosen up your buttons over there. Is what you uh, want. I think you're it was trying a, to get your dirty on. I think but it was a low level of comfort. But. Here's, here's my argument. Because you know of her profession i think she would have had in the words of jay nelly sexual interaction i would say loosen up my buttons <laughs> baby but i would argue that she never really loved lee the new lee i would say she might say well let's see where this goes but at the same time i think you're right i think she really cared about the original lee because it was like a best friendship thing where she did say, you know, the original Lee didn't think of me like that. Like, yeah. that's not, that's how I know this is who you are. But at the same time, you know, that's her profession. That's what she likes. I think, it, <laughs> I think that's what would happen. You, you, th- you think she'd throw <laughs> it to him one time just to see how it was? <laughs> I think they would, uh, in the words of Maeve, <laughs> Hell's not hard to get to. You just have to figure out how to get there. <laughs> yeah, big dirty. Backing that, up everything with quotes. Ooh. Does that throw? Does that get you in the shadow realm for the great debate card? Oh uh, yeah, gone? great debate card is off to the shadow realm. All it's right, Malice and Chalice, bro, with. and then we'll. You know, you know, cheers, your boy. Cheers, Malice hey, and Chalice. There you go. <laughs> dealy, dealy. <laughs> oh, deal pickle. Just. Jane, it was a uh, uh, Sizemore's pickle. Oh my gosh! <laughs> he tr- he okay. tried. He like the uh, fake one backs. tried to give it to Maeve, right? But um, yeah. So then, what we we do see that Bernard and Stubbs actually do find Maeve's body in cold storage, but her control unit, the pearl, was gone from her head, right? And so uh, the next thing I have is like Maeve sees beyond the illusion as the forge like dissipates around her. 
and she realizes everyone there isn't real, and that's why Felix and Sylvester didn't recognize or help her. She even says, none of it is real. Mm -hmm. We're not here. So where the fuck are we? (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Maeve, to continue her quote, says, whoever's doing this has gone to a lot of trouble to test me and find out what I know. You led me to the forge for a reason, didn't you? Speaking to Lee. Thought I could re-access the world Delos had hidden from you. Why are you after this world? Then Lee says, I just want to reunite you with your daughter. Maeve says, rubbish. That's just the reason they scripted for you. Whoever planned this has their own agenda, and it's certainly not a family reunion. To your point, real quick, I want to say when someone recruits someone later (laughs) that we'll find out i think this is a big reason why because it showed mave she is smart enough to figure out what's going on and the person that recruits her or recruits somebody (laughs) um (laughs) needed someone that was smart enough to be able to compete with the other one that they're going up against Uh, So I think this point actually plays a big key role in that. I'm with it. And then you continue on from that because I I, I think that helps prove your point. Maybe even says, you and everything else in this world is just an imitation. In fact, the simulation is elegant, but it's flawed because it was built by your kind. And if there's one thing I know about human nature, it's that your stupidity is only eclipsed by your laziness. Whoever programmed this world cut a few corners and applied the same code inside the simulation as they used to build the simulation itself. They plagiarized themselves and left us a way out. So 100%, like no one else is catching that except my girl right here, Maeve Malay. If you guys see on uh, my <laughs> video, I got Maeve Malay over here. <laughs> but, uh, so she actually confuses the simulation by asking what the square root of negative one was and all of a sudden like they start going into weird debates like yeah but this yeah but this but like they're just like arguing with each other giving them like the time to do what they need so Maeve actually throws a statue and like a statue of her own face and it pauses in midair and Lee asks her you know how did you do that and Maeve says this game is a replica of our world but it has limited processing power imagine one of your dim-witted romantic conquests, undeniably beautiful, but built for one purpose only. Ask her to do more than part her legs, she gets confused. <laughs> and Lee says... Typical Maeve comment. Right, right just she sexualizes everything. And then, so Lee replies, you overtax the system. What happens if you add more complexity? And Maeve responds, let's find out, shall we? And now we come to the really cool part that you alluded to earlier. We got our amazing cameo. So Bernard and Stubbs enter Park 4 area. We get an amazing Easter egg. The tech one who's sitting there is David Benioff. And he says, I got a buyer. Tech two is D.B. Weiss. And he says, what? And Benioff says, some startup in Costa Rica. And Tech 2 Weiss says, how the fuck are you going to get that to Costa Rica? <laughs> and Benioff says, Guess in pieces, man. Guess who flew all the way east? We, know, or he flew west. 
Didn't fly east at all, according to Sam. Sam's a fucking liar. <laughs> yeah, he, he is a liar. Direction. Because we got fucking Drogon in <laughs> Westworld. Slay so, time, baby! And you know what's really time. cool, too? Another fan theory, and I'm really interested in this, because remember, because it, yes, it's Drogon, but it's host Drogon. So, like, it's not the real dragon, it's the host thing. And they said some startup in Costa Rica. Now, Costa Rica, if you guys knew... Uh, that's kind of where they did the whole Jurassic Park thing. So are they going to be releasing Drogon in Jurassic Park? That 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 would be <laughs> something really really interesting. And that's that's a fan theory that uh, I, I looked into a little bit there, and I was like, man, you know what? That would be kind of cool. I know. Wait, I know. So no, dra- please explain this. Like, why would they? By the way, real quick, I'll move these a little forward because I know you can't see them since Josh brought it up. But there's your boy Bernard. Since we're talking about this scene here, anyways. Why would you release a dragon in Jurassic Park? Because that's like dinosaurs. You Why would you release saying? it anywhere else? <laughs> like, see, you I, know could, I could see if they made like a um, medieval world kind of thing. By the way, did you realize too? Um, so what's going to happen in a minute when we talk about Bernard and stuff? But the agents or the hosts there next to him are like in almost like Viking gear. Like Thrones yeah. gear. Did you realize that? Yeah, I thought it was funny. They were playing like the little um the what's called the loot, the little thing on there is <laughs> just yeah. chilling. Yeah. It was badass. Interesting. Uh but that that so what's the like end game of the theory though? Like is- uh, yeah, so like I said, it was just a passing thing. Was, there was no like in-depth like explanation to where I was like, oh, this must be true. It was just like it was just a coincidence that they mentioned Costa Rica because, as far as I know, like Costa Rica, what, what's what's that different than anything else, you know, in the world to release a dragon into? And so if yeah. it was, you know, for Jurassic Park, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, dragons never existed. Period. But I guess <laughs> if you were going to consider what the closest thing you could see to a dragon in real life was dinosaurs, so yeah. you know, I guess that would be the only correlation. I'm not sure if I'm both stuff I'm bought and on the, or sold on the theory. It's just something that I heard and I thought it was interesting because of the, the whole Costa Rica thing. Oh, that's awesome. Here's another theory. Then where Arya sailed west, if she had fucking gone far enough. <laughs> Made it past the house of white and black and all that from my rewrite. <laughs> if she had made it far enough, she would have gone into Westworld and then had figured out how to get those fucking labs and found that fucking dragon and warged anyways. <laughs> would have been badass. Arya would have realized this whole fucking shit was a game the entire time. And and then Danny would have been sitting there. Danny's dead, bro. No, she would have been examined by Ford and recast <laughs> as a host. We get, we get we get host Targaryen. But that's where Oberon went, man. He was sitting there <laughs> with the blood all over his head, and they put him in that like world where they had a lazo for years and just never saw his ass again. Just <laughs> kidding on all cool, of this, by the way. We just thought it was how really cool fucking is cool. it though that like that they did a crossover like that like. Two of HBO's biggest shows. They did a little kind of neat, like Easter egg wink to the audience where they brought Drogon in just for a quick, quick cameo experience, and they had like uh, Benioff and Weiss as the text, like mm-hmm. discussing it. Like and it I was do, really, really. I, I like that. It was awesome. No, just a, a real quick uh, sentence on that too. I was watching interviews on that because you know I was so stoked. You had seen it before me because you were paying really close attention. Um, same thing too, though. Like I. It looked like him, but it's like you could see how you could kind of miss it, right? 
And yeah. another thing on that, what I thought was cool, I watched an interview with a few of the directors of Westworld, and they were like, all our fans, because Game of Thrones, remember it was about to come out with season eight at the time, uh, right before Westworld uh, season three came out. So Westworld season three was in development when season eight of Game of Thrones was starting to premiere. And they said they kept having fans write in, please do like a Game of Thrones Westworld crossover or something like that. So it was a testament to the fans on why they did that, which I thought was really cool because I don't know any other director that would have cared about their fans so much, even if the writing lacked a little bit. Like this showed me, hey, you have loyalty to your fans, so you're going to at least give it everything you got to make this work. That's good stuff, man. And then to move on a little bit to Bernard and Stubbs there at when they walk past Drogon, Bernard actually plugs himself in to see if Dolores put a corruption in his code since this tab, the, the, the tablets here in, in Westworld are clean because he's afraid the tackle that he made in the real world would ignore a corruption because of what she may have built him with. But he knows for sure the tablets in uh, Westworld are clean. So he starts that, but, uh, you know, this one guy comes in and Stubbs kind of takes him out, which is nice, makes him run, which, you know, QA was able to alert security, the security squad first, and Stubbs takes on a team of five by himself with one arm and a battle axe while they have fully auto guns. Like, this is one of the small <laughs> things that I really didn't like. Literally, I it was he was badass. crippled, basically. Like, he was only... <laughs> Dude, they, they have fully auto guns, and you're running from a guy that's swinging an axe with one hand, and you have full tactical gear. That's so unrealistic. Like yeah. I just, it really that that small detail infuriated me. No, seriously, I was I was like really upset when I saw that on the screen. Like I was I was so fresh. I was like I was like, you guys really expect me to to buy that? That five fully trained QA agents <laughs> with fully automatic weapons ran away from. A guy with one shoulder blown to pieces and, and an axe in one hand? Are you kidding? Like, it was kind of like a video game. Like, you know when you're on your last lifeline and you find, like, some shit in the corner, like those old zombie games, and they just keep running at you, and you're just hitting them until you die? Except for fucking Stubbs doesn't get, like, one scratch on him, even though he's beat to shit already, right? But the only reason I kind of accepted it was because... One of our favorite people, <laughs> she brings a sword to a gunfight later on, and it works out pretty well. <laughs> so I was well, like, that's I could completely see it, different. I guess. One, like but, but like one on one, one on one, sure. One on five with all fully <laughs> out of weapons in a small hallway. No, <laughs> absolutely. Here's the catch, though, right? And I feel like I have to bring this up because it it will make you think. Like one on one. That one person was, like, kicking all the other people's ass. Like, that one person that she was going up against took on, like, 30 of those people Stubbs fought. So, like, it's like, here's the thing. I could see it. Like, I don't think it's realistic. And I certainly don't think Stubbs is at the level at all of the person we're talking about. 
No, but you see that was the I'm most ridiculous thing and, I've ever like, seen. And, like, when the fuck did he have training with an axe? No, <laughs> he just pulled that shit it, off it was, And it was one hand. Remember, <laughs> like, he got shot in the shoulder. He got shot in his shoulder, so he only had one hand to work with. And you're telling me that he made five fully trained grown men with all fully <laughs> automatic weapons in their hand run in a it? hallway. You can't go like this and touch the side of the wall. Like, come on. Like, it's that, that upset me. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was more of a testament to, um, <laughs> I don't know, I think he tried to be Arya Stark, but it didn't know. I, I just think that they fucked up the writing because they wanted you to look at the dragon two <laughs> scenes ago. That's what I think it was. <laughs> like, I think that's like, ooh, I look at Drogon. Sacrifice a little writing, but you got a fucking yeah. dragon out of it, so everyone else can fuck off. They just need to redeem <laughs> themselves in season four next year. That's <laughs> what they right. need to do. And so the the next thing I got here is like they're actually forced to go before the scan's completed. So my question for you is like, if that scan was completed, do you think Bernard would have found? I, I don't want to get anything away, but do you think would have found anything if he was able to complete that scan? And like that would have changed the whole course of everything because he would have known something. I. Not to give anything away, I think if he would have completed that plan, that scan of what he was trying to do. I think it would have taken a lot longer than Ashley Stubbs would be fucking dead. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> I just, I just want to know if he was I able mean? to complete it. I know what you're saying. I'm just saying. I wonder if he was able to complete it though. Like if there was nobody there and he had the time that he needed, if then he I, would have found. Yeah, or, I, like, or is yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. I just think. <laughs> I think we would have an alternate outcome. I think so too. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Like, like I was wondering if I was on the, on the same page with that. So, uh, good stuff. Yeah. So then we get back to Maeve and Warworld, and she confused the system by giving everyone a copy of like the traitor plans, and so like they're all arguing and shooting each other. It was awesome. She yeah. totally screwed up that whole world. So she was able to freeze everything, including a bullet meant for Lee. Uh, you know, she she successfully crippled the simulation. And it was funny. She kind of flicked the the bullet out of his like face, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, great, you're frozen too." And he's like, "I'm not frozen. I'm just scared shitless." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I already know one, so that that was pretty funny. But um, a couple more bullet points before we close up episode two. Uh, Maeve sees where they really are keeping their control units, and this I actually cool. paused. Yeah, I paused on this right here where uh, I looked at Maeve's control unit. I wrote it down. So Maeve's control unit is. H C one nine eight three zero one two five two two. So I thought that was pretty cool. I just wrote it down. That I was really it. cool, though. That, that's <laughs> detailed, man. That was that was awesome. Yeah, and what she really do? Cool. She she reprograms the maintenance drone to break her control unit out and help her escape. And the drone tries to make the great escape, but is lit the fuck up at the end. You can see like, they just get it in the courtyard, and they're just unloading like no mercy on this poor droid. And you know her control unit falls to the ground, and uh, yeah, it takes us back to Bernard and Stubbs. And Bernard tells Stubbs that Dolores was reading a book on Liam Dempsey Jr. in the Forge, mm-hmm. and he pulls up Liam on the tablet, and so now they think that. Liam was Dolores's target for something else. I don't want to give anything away because I don't want to tell you what Bernard and Stubbs think because it hasn't come up yet. But right. big moment there. Stubbs, he doesn't even want to go with Bernard. He wants to just end it. He wants to kill himself. So he basically says, sorry, Bernard, have fun back out there. And then uh, 
Bernard freezes his motor functions and changes his core code uh, to protect him instead of letting him kill himself, which is honestly a great move because they're going to need stubs later on. Yeah, and awesome. uh, yeah, and then we have Maeve waking up in a stunning white dress. And for the first time, we meet the guy behind the scenes, Engorod Serac. Yeah. Uh, this is the person that Connell's told Dolores runs the system last episode before she had him killed. <laughs> but, uh, one of the biggest mm-hmm. quotes here that Sirach says that I wrote down, he says, We are in the middle of a war, and I need your help to win it. And Maeve looks around her, like, with her, you know, just likes to verbally spar. She says, This seems fairly idyllic for wartime. And Sirach replies, Well, no one knows it's happened yet. Or that it's already been lost. My question right there, is that a foreshadow that he predicted that the war has already been lost? So I don't want to say anything, but I'm gonna, that, that was a quote. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, I don't concern myself with the present. My business is the future. And Maeve asks, you know, so you're an oracle? And Strock replies, well, an oracle would merely predict the future. Our work is to create it. Unfortunately, if things continue on this path, there isn't any future, at least not for my kind. And I wrote down in parentheses there another foreshadow. So I thought there was two big foreshadows just in that small little quote alone. Did yeah. you kind of catch those same things there? Yeah, I did. Um, what's cool, too, is this big scene we have here that's coming up in just a second. It's very full circle because we've seen a very similar scene in season one uh, that we'll talk about in a minute. And I'll let you go ahead and get into that. Uh, so Which is I, the girl we're talking about. about okay, so that was okay. So I want to make sure, like, you're just talking about what Sirach wants, right? And like, I mean, he gives her like the quote, like, like, so you know, Sirach wants Maeve to track Dolores down and, and kill her, and Maeve tries to stab and kill him, and then is that the scene you're talking about? Yeah, that's what I was okay. talking about. Because remember, we saw the same scene with Ford and Teddy, uh, yeah, and the Man in Black, which was back in season one. Yeah. Uh, and it's the, I thought those full circle moments were cool, but just like you were saying, the detail and what he says, this guy is very. It's hard for me to read this guy because he's very kind of like Martin Carnell, um, or Connell, whatever the fuck they call him, Chips from Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> he's very similar to him. However, he's just brilliant. He's a mad scientist. Yeah, he's got that intellectual game like Ford does. Um, yeah, he's just seriously. not old and fat. <laughs> so, very interesting. Dude, that would be fun. It like, would have been cool, like, you know, just in an alternate universe is to see, like, Ciroc and Ford go at it mentally and see, like, who could best the other one. That would be pretty cool. Oh, man, is but, that for, like, season eight? Well, I think, <laughs> I think Ciroc... Show, that well, would be like, bad. You know, well, that's what I really want to see in the future is I want to see more of Ford coming back if it ever happens. Uh, I think it has to in some way. Like I think this might even give us one big like mind blown at that whenever this series yeah. comes to an end, I think there's going to be some big shock and Ford's going to be involved. I, he's got to, right? He's got it. But, yeah. I'll <laughs> so let you there. Yeah, Dolores they she, like Drock wants Maeve to track Dolores down and kill her. Maeve decides, you know, she's doesn't take orders from anyone and she tries to stab and kill Sirach, but he has a control button for her and freezes her motor functions. And the last words he says to her before we close out episode two is perhaps next time we talk, I can persuade you that our interests are aligned. And that closes out episode two. 
And now we're going to get into episode three. Once we get through this, that'll wrap us up for this week before we get into uh, four, five, and six next week and, mm-hmm. and wrap up uh, uh, season three, part three, with episode seven and eight two weeks from now. But yep. so to start season three, episode three, we actually open this episode with an unseen recording from Charlotte Hale to someone named Nathan. Now, we don't know who this Nathan person is just yet, but it's someone that, like, it, you you know it's of some level of importance. It almost makes it seem like it, that this Nathan person might be a savior at first because she's like, you know, this per, this message is for Nathan. And yeah. so it makes it seem like like that, but, you know, it comes out that's not the case, right? So, right. anyways, uh, Dolores brings, like, host Hale online and basically, you know, she said, you know, do you know who you are? Do you remember who you are? And she starts kind of remembering things. And she's like, why can't I be myself like you? And so I think that was one of the first uh, winks at who these people were. Because remember, we had questions about who that um, Hale, well, Dolores as Hale took in her purse, the pearls. We were like, oh, who are these? We tried to list yeah. out some names. I think this was the first wink. Like, why can't I be myself like you was the word. So, yeah. um, just a reminder for the audience in case they forgot what the pearls were. If those were those control like, unit, the nucleus yeah. in the core. Uh, yeah, control unit, like you were saying. <laughs> yes, sir. And Dolores wants her to be Charlotte Hale because they need to control Delos. That's the whole end game here with Charlotte Hale's like appearance, right? Mm-hmm. And so what she said she says without delos they'll never be any more of our kind beyond the handful we were able to bring with us and then so you see the the spread here so you see three of them and him so that makes six in total why dolores's own hails right there bernard and then you got the other three mm-hmm which we know what they who they are and who they turn out to be, but obviously you won't know at this time. So uh, Dolores then continues on and says, they've made it so easy the way they've built their world. It won't take much to bring it all crashing down. And so then we get to that, like like I said, I wrote down all the, um, the white screens and elevated scrutiny in San Francisco, USA uh, for latitude... 37.7749 north and negative 122.4194 west. Charlotte learns that an anonymous buyer has sneakily purchased 38% control of the shares, which is the largest single entity, and they've effectively been bought out. That's a huge moment here because you don't know who this person is yet, but the fact is. Dolores was just in the previous scene explaining how important Delos is, and now someone behind the scenes is buying Delos out. Yeah. So right. this is a really big, big moment there, right? Right. Um, then she starts doing something weird. Like she starts like having this like mental like anxiety breakdown and like starts digging into her skin. But remember, like yeah. host's skin isn't like human skin, so like it like came apart. Like you saw it like like yeah. split apart, man. That was kind of strange, right? Yeah, it was very strange. Like, cuts yeah. herself kind of thing. But. Yeah. <laughs> like, really harmed <laughs> yeah. herself, for sure. And then we go we go back to Caleb with Dolores uh, trying to get her help. Uh, she's in rough shape, right? 
Right. Uh, you know, this is what I wrote too. Like, there was too much reliance on technology. Like, the ambulance medics couldn't treat without the machine giving them a diagnostic. Then, you know, Caleb goes old school with oxygen and blood. It was badass. Like, literally, like, just, they're like, well, we plugged her in the machine. The machine would tell us what we need. Well, sometimes machines break down. And you need to know what to do in the case that didn't happen. Because imagine, like, not training for the circumstance where technology breaks down on you. Those medics yeah. had no idea what to do. Caleb right. was there and just started throwing stuff together, probably from his army days and learning how to do first aid in the field under fire, right? Mm-hmm. So right. thought that was pretty cool. But uh, the cops come, uh, but Caleb sniffs them out as being fake. I thought this yeah. was super badass. Like he even they tells me, you know, okay, well, you know, you have, you got no problem waiting for uh, you know uniform patrol to come if you're cops. Like, Let me see some identification. Yeah, that was really smart. And he's like, well, yeah. I think that uh, you know, I was going to ask you for some identification. Why don't you come down to the station? He's like, I'll be happy to. You know, yeah. so like <laughs> then he tells the medic call call the police, and the guy didn't, and they you know yeah. shot the fuck up everything, and uh, you know <laughs> that was Dolores, really smart on Caleb's part. So too. smart, yeah. I thought that was really like that was. He's a cool character, man. Like I'm really glad they brought him in. Seriously, yeah, um, that was great. So yeah, Dolores ends up killing her her attackers though. Even in her roughed up shape, when she was just laying on an ambulance bed like three minutes ago, she stabs one guy in the neck and shoots the other guy dead and like stumbles to the vehicle. Like okay, so she's just you know. <laughs> this the, is the, the thing about she, Dolores yeah. though. We've seen this multiple times. Like even yeah, in she's, season two, when the man in black shot her like three times and she just kept walking. Yeah. Like she does this so many times, and that's why I'm not surprised. Oh, me and neither. I think it's believable because, like, this bad bitch doesn't go down, man. She is fucking die. <laughs> like she Dude. will not go down. Like she keeps fighting until the very end. Almost like um, I forgot. Wasn't it in? Oh yeah, it, Tywin Lannister who said in Game Bro, of Thrones. Bro, you you be making t- way too many Game of Thrones references, man. Like we move we move past it. Like we, we move past, past it, bro. I think they put a damn <laughs> fucking cameo in it. But my point is, Tywin Lannister made a quote one time to Tyrion that said that we talked about, uh, and you refuse to die, and I respect that. But <laughs> she <go>. does <laughs> refuse to die. Dolores is something else, man. Uh, but now it's kind of cool because we get Hale back, you know, and she. Well, first before that, Dolores tells Caleb that he's now a target and like he needs to like lay low because he, they're probably gonna fucking kill him, right? Mm-hmm. So that was important there. But now we go back to Hale and she learns the name Sirak is behind the hostile takeover. Why that's important for us? We just learned out who Sirak was uh, at the very end of the last episode when he was trying to convince Maeve to kill Dolores, right? So now we know that this guy has his hands in a lot of cookie jars, I guess, is the best analogy for me. My hands, hands out the out cookie, the cookie jar. jar. My hands, my hands. My hands. We used to my, kill that my, back in the day, hands. too. Yes, <laughs> yeah. sir. Josh and I, Malice in the Chalice, baby. Oh, oh suck geez. it. Malice in the Chalice. Bro, we got to watch Malice. the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Malice in the Chalice. Two things. Because I just thought of this, too, so I'm going to say whatever's on the top of my head. First, I sent you that uh, we were taking notes the other day on this show, and I sent Josh a Power Rangers gift, <laughs> a baby that was busting through a brick wall, and it said Power Through. Well, it was the 25th anniversary of Power Rangers yesterday. That was cool. On the other note, what I was saying was Josh and I used to go to this bar called <laughs> B-Dubs. It was really Buffalo Wild Wings. That night, they used to... 
It was weird. It, they moved all the tables, turned it into like this concert venue. We used to kill it on there. And that was one of our songs we did uh, with a friend of ours uh, at the time. We did Our Hands Out the Cookie Jar. We did so that. When, he, when he says we did it, we did karaoke. That's what he means by that. We, we, did, we did karaoke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean by that. Man, that's like, remember where I kept calling Cowboys Crazy Horse? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'll Big tell you yeah, that was interesting for that. But you want to tell the, a story real quick, and then we'll throw. Oh no, out. I was just gonna say, like to your point about the V Dubs, it was very strange, like for like a chain restaurant to like just move all the tables and chairs. We got like one big like stage area for karaoke then like the outside patio would play like hispanic music and top 40 it was just a really really interesting buffalo wild wings and i obviously it's since been corporatized and franchised and they don't do it anymore but you know that was that's a that's a sneak peek into <laughs> like seven years ago for us <laughs> seven years ago i'm telling you though, this was like our crazy days in college like you would have people eating with their kids in the booth and then all of a sudden they move the tables and you'd have some college asshole throwing up in front of them like yeah. oh, and all the moms are like oh my god shield your eyes but Josh and I used to kill it there. We did uh, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Oh <laughs> like Halloween. Yeah, 2013 Halloween. was a good was a good year, man. That, that was, was a good, good year. year. Um, and then the what? other quick story, which made me think of it as you said it. So there was uh, one of my friends, because um, you know Josh and I have full time jobs. <laughs> so every Thursday, you know, Josh and I had told you we would go to this uh, local bar uh, called Cowboys here like cowboys like horses and stuff so i'd be like oh yeah man can't wait to go to crazy horse tonight man that'd be crazy up in here so my buddy won't mention any names but he was like oh man chase goes to crazy horse that's awesome chase is probably you know doing shots in the back through his nose or some shit can't wait to see chase at crazy horse one night so he kept asking me he's like Hey, man, we were going to Crazy Horse. I'm like, yeah, I'm going tonight. And then Friday and Saturday. Comes to turn out, Josh, your own personal Jay Nelly right here, the host of our show, goes, Crazy Horse is a strip club on the same street. So this motherfucker thought I was staying out all night because he would come in the next morning and be like, man, you look really tired today. Where'd you go? And I was like... I went to Crazy Horse last night. <laughs> this dude thought I was getting lap dances all <laughs> night. When really, it was just this local bar. So, good times. Off to the Shadow Realms. Malice in the Chalice, baby. Boom. You take it away from here. I'll put that next to Bernard. <laughs> Great debate goes next to Dolores. Dilly dilly. Slammers, baby. Let's do it. So yeah, we, we find out that Ciroc's behind the hostile takeover, but there's no records of his existence. All his records are scrubbed, scrubbed clean. He's the richest man in the world, and no one's ever heard about him. Imagine that, dude. That's badass. Like, you just have complete anonymity, right? So I thought that was super cool. And Hale even says, well, how did you find him? And her assistant, her name was Irene, says, mm-hmm. he found us. Turns out we initiated a data transaction with him two decades ago. And Hale says, we sold this Ciroc a taste of our data, and now he's trying to steal our company like a thief in the night. And that's when she goes up into her apartment, and we meet her love interest, Jake, which, guys, is Michael Ely. That's an awesome yeah. cast, too. I was that super was awesome. excited to see Michael Ely in there, man. Yeah. Oh, what a great what a the great choice. Is, think about this show, though. The casting's been stacked. I mean, even yeah, just man. the... 
the amount they spent on Anthony Hopkins. Then they kept upping their game. Dude, yeah, season. man. Absolutely. Awesome. It was crazy. Like, just the name off you. Ed Harris is a big casting name. Uh, James Marsden, Evan Rachel Wood. Like, those are, like, big names, man. Like, and now you we add Aaron Paul and Marshawn Lynch and Kid Cudi. Now, Marshawn Lynch and Kid Cudi aren't, like, big acting names, but they're big names in their genre. Like, Kid Cudi's a big rapper. Marshawn Lynch was a big football player. Like, it's crazy. And we left one out because a lot of people think she's not big, but I would say, in my opinion, She's not on the level of Anthony Hopkins, but she's been in the acting world a long time. Uh, the actress, Thandie Newton, that plays Maeve, she was the love interest on Mission Impossible 2 with Tom Cruise in the 90s. So oh, that's wow. how far her acting career goes back. So just think, half the fucking budget of this show went to the damn cast. <laughs> Had to, right? Jeez. Yeah. And then we also realized that Charlotte has a son named Nathan, which if you connect the dots, that's the person that... Hale was sending the video to to open this episode Mm -hmm. and uh you know i also wanted to ask how far in the fucking future are we because remember she's talking about the elephants like mommy when are you gonna take me to see elephants and she's like well they died a long time ago so like elephants are extinct in this in this time frame so Mm -hmm. i don't we've got to be hundreds of years in the future because if there's no elephants man i don't know (laughs) i can't i've got no answer for it Maybe but, that's why Drogon would exist in Jurassic Park. It wasn't dinosaurs. It was just dragons everywhere. Right. Don't worry. I, okay, then no we, more Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. It's all you now. We hear, we hear about Tommy and this dog. And this comes up in just not too far from here. But it's really, it, it, it seems nice and innocent here. Like, oh, I met my friend Tommy. He played with his dog at the park. And, like, like, you know, just keep that part in mind because it's about to get a little weird there. Uh, then Hales tells Nathan now be a good boy and go to sleep for your mommy and Nathan responds to her but you're not my mommy you don't love me and so I was wondering like do kids get just like know sometimes kids just know stuff man like you know yeah. like because like their brains aren't fully developed for like logic and only reasoning like anything's possible to kids so like they just had those feelings and they just know I don't know but uh, she even asked him well do you want me to tuck you in and he said, yeah. Well, he nodded and said, yes. And she tried to. And he even says, you're not doing it right. I want my old mommy back. So, like, right now, only this four-year-old or however old kid knows that she's not really her. And I think that's really, really ironic. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, then uh, we realized that you know, there's assets that are unaccounted for, which is made in some side narratives. So we figure out a little bit like we obviously know Hector is one of those side narratives but we also know a couple others as well that we're we're missing the ones that are unaccounted for right. um, I don't want to bring up who they are right now because I want to ruin anything but mm-hmm. just something to keep in mind but then Hale meets with Dolores and Dolores kind of gets nasty like I can't always be there to hold your hand you know and the big thing that I really took away from their interaction here together is that hosts that are living another life too long and someone else's body start to really become that person. Like they start, like they, they, like it's almost like that body takes them over a little bit. It's almost yeah. like a super spy who's in a really deep, like long game, really starts to believe he's the person he's pretending to be. Like right. it's, it's like that, but maybe on a whole another level because it's technology and they're merging. Who knows? But I just found that kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, 
But then we get our, our boy Jarvis. Like, I don't know what his real name is, but the virtual assistant. <laughs> She's just calling him up, asking for stuff. And Jarvis is accommodating, buying rooms and hotels without her seeing anybody. <laughs> like, it, what, a, what a convenience he must be, man. Yeah, she and, bought an uh, apartment. She was like, get me a lease. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, here's your just, lease. Just immediately. And, yeah, less than, what, three seconds? Like, yeah, yeah at least confirmed. Like, what? Like, <laughs> like, what? Dude, it, ta- <laughs> it takes me six to ten business days, bro. <laughs> but, yeah, then, you know, you roll on to Hale, and she tells Dolores, like, if I ever lost you, I don't know what I'd do. And Dolores says, you'd survive. You'd have to. Our kind depends on it. Which for me, that's a big foreshadow for the after credits of episode eight of the season. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing right there. Not to ruin anything, but just to keep your guys' minds interested and peaked there. Her saying that is really important. Um, but yeah, and Hale tells Dolores that Sorak is trying to take control of Delos, and Dolores tells Hale to fend off Sorak's bid for Delos by making a counter offer and having to convince a board member, and she would have to visit that, that old friend. And we kind of get like an idea with when she says that who she's referring to visit that old friend who's an important key board member with a counter offer, right? So right. we're starting to hear him come up just a little bit more as well. And you know, it's he may, he plays a big role. Uh, but we'll talk about him a lot next week when we get into episode four. But uh, anyways, um, now we're back to Caleb, and he gets a notification that he himself is a high-value target on that crime app, Rico. He even sees his own face on his phone. And so he knows he's got to get the hell out of Dodge. So what's he do? Like any any boy would do, he goes to say bye to his mom. You know, he could, you know she's, you know, has her mental illness that hasn't been disclosed yet. But um, he goes there, says goodbye, says he won't be back for a while. And two people ambush him right outside that room. And one of them is the one... Who said like when that naked guy was slapping his tongue and like punching yeah. Marshawn Lynch? He, that was the guy's like they give him fifty cc's of that tranquilo. Like that's that <laughs> that guy was actually now instead of doing the job with him, he was trying to you know end end Caleb right. So right. Anyways, Martin there. Connell's remember yeah right. Martin Connell's who is we guys remember from episodes ago that he is actually a host now like under Dolores's control. They killed the real Martin Connell's. So he tells Dolores about Caleb because she asked like, to him to look into Caleb. And, you know, hey, do me a favor. Check into this person. And he's like, well, Insight lowered his life expectancy. And so he says like, you know, they last, he was last seen at uh, the Vista Treatment Center. And so they do some really fucked up shit to him. They yeah. take him to this really like high room. And they like kind of push him out towards the end of the window. But not really like, you know, just holding him there until they... Like, make them contemplate and all they want is just information about this girl Dolores and for some reason Caleb just won't give them any information like it's not he doesn't know her she doesn't do anything for him in his life but he just Mm -hmm. just won't say a word and so what they do is they actually uh they zap his like his uh implant in his room because like that he's like it's a shame like you know they pay like you know, whatever the high military grade implant, you make tons of money yeah. off this. It looked and, like one of those things. If you, I used to have one in my mouth when I was in middle school, like the thing the orthodontist will put in yeah. the top of your jaw to expand it. It looked yep. like one of those. It, it was yeah, like a retainer. Yeah, old school retainer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. like a retainer. Yeah, yep. like that. hundred percent. And you know, they also like when they zapped it and like it went up line on the tablet. 
they moved his heart rate to like the highest thing. So that's why you heard the do 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 do. Yeah. Because they were like inducing like a heart attack on him, and like they like just tell us where the girl is, and and then all of a sudden you know Dolores turns they they turn around and like I'm right here, and she kills his attackers and saves Caleb's life. Um. Yeah, dude. And then Brompton, which is like this kind of board member that's just a thorn in Hale's side, but also kind of comes up big later on. He tells Charlotte that he sent her a file and she opens it and it's her making a last video to her son Nathan. And the song like You Are My Sunshine comes on and then she starts messing with like the Morse code ringtone type deal with that, yeah. you know, song You Are My Sunshine. So I thought that was interesting. But then, you know, she learns that she's late to be picking up her son again, Nathan. And like I told you guys, remember we talked about Tommy and the dog a couple minutes ago. We actually meet Tommy. So and it's really, really creepy because she's walking up and Nathan's just this small little boy. And he's petting a golden retriever, beautiful dog, golden retriever. And like he's petting it and like the guy's saying and holding the boy's hand is like, yeah, you like my dog? Oh, you, you're petting him so good. Like, just being really weird and, like, holding the boy's hand over it. And uh, so Hale sees it. Now, keep in mind, it's not really her, like, that she's not really Charlotte Hale, right? But some sort of motherly instincts come into play here. Because when she got there, he kind of, like, like jolted up and, like, kind of acted on his best behavior. And she's like, oh, well, I, I, he's just, he just wanted to buy my dog. I just met him a couple minutes ago. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. You, I heard about you, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I suggested but, uh, a play date. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Yeah, I even suggested a play date. And then Mommy's like, and then uh, the, Nathan's like, can we really? And he's like, well, go play. We'll talk about it. And then Hale <laughs> literally kills him and steals his dog. Chokes him out. He even says, like, you're not the only predator here. Yeah, just ends his life and steals his golden retriever and gives it to Nathan. Imagine killing someone and taking their dog. Like, <laughs> yeah. What I want to say about this though is like it goes back to the video. Like, remember, she's really becoming attached to this family. Like, getting very. Um, it brings up a big moment later. Uh, she is almost like feels like she's living the life of the original charlotte like she starts thinking almost like she is that charlotte and when she goes up to the guy you know she crushes the cameras and basically like well he already had turned off the cameras remember she's like hey thank you so much for already disabling the cameras yeah because remember he already did it she pulled that out of there but yeah. yeah but didn't she like take cameras out of the jacket or something she like took him out of his jacket. No, he she took she took a control out of his jacket, but the control was red, meaning he had already cut the surveillance okay. cameras in the area off with with that control that she took out of his pocket, and that's why she said, "Thanks for already disabling the cameras for me." Yeah, <laughs> like, so that, yeah. yeah. good call. Yeah, um, but this is really when you're seeing, you know, she really is attached to um, Jake and Nathan, and I, I think she starts. Well, Nathan specifically, or. What? Yeah. Sorry. No, I, uh, I said uh, Nathan specifically, not so much Jake. Yeah, Nathan yeah. Like Jake, kind of like she kind of brushes him off. But well, yeah. she has that scene with Jake later on where she tries to yeah know, loosen up her buttons a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, but I think that was her trying to not to blow a cover because it's like she didn't recognize him and like before like then she remembered who it was. Remember, she's got a play this part so i don't know i think i think she did that more as a, as a cover 
to be like, oh shit, like I do know who this is because she's like, why are you in my house? Like she didn't know him. But, That's true, but. Uh, and I think the video has a big role to play. And keep in mind, I, it I does. guess, yeah. the video, um, you know, because in the video she was like, this is Charlotte Hale, this is a recording of my son. It's during the time of when the massacre was occurring in Westworld of, like, the party. So I think maybe she feels somewhat guilty about that, too, but she really is developing a connection to her son that's not even hers, which is messing with her mind at this point and really does it gets to a really like yeah it, it comes to a boiling point for sure mm-hmm. yeah and then so now we're back to dolores and caleb and dolores takes caleb to, to to a diner and orders his exact drink and pulls out the re- police report of the day his mom left him there and didn't come back and was diagnosed with schizophrenia like how messed up was that man like even like i even got like a really big quote from it because i thought this was super like really important to really understand Caleb right now because so far he's been a pretty chill guy but he he says this isn't surveillance or social media how do you know every detail of my worst fucking memory and Dolores says it's about insight Caleb says what the company Dolores says not the company the system that it's built on a machine they call Rehoboam the founders of this machine fed it everyone's raw data long before there were privacy laws. Every purchase, every job search, doctor visit, romantic choice, call, text, every aspect of your lives recorded, logged, in order to create a mere world of this world. And Caleb asks why. Dolores says, to make a composite of you, of everyone. And Caleb says, so it tells me who I am? Dolores says, it's not about who you are, Caleb. It's about who who they'll let you become. Remember, this kind of comes full circle because when he didn't get that job, it's because there's a, re- there's a reason we're about to find out right here. So right. Dolores actually takes Caleb to the pier and tells him this is where he kills himself. It says, mm-hmm. the system runs a predictive algorithm. Given your history of depression, your mother's mental illness, your proficiency with firearms, and your fondness for the ocean... The most likely outcome is you take your own life in 10 to 12 years here. And Caleb says, no, fuck that. They can't know that. And Dora says, are they wrong? You never come back here in the middle of the night? Think things over? And then we see those wave flashbacks that we kind of saw before. Now we understand where those wave flashbacks, like in the earlier episodes, came from. It's from the moment he's sitting there over it, wondering if he should end his own life, which is... Which is pretty sad, right? Yeah. And then Dolores says, Before the system, a man like you might have had a chance. Work hard, keep striving. But you, you'll never be more than a construction worker or a petty criminal because that's all they'll let you become. They won't invest in someone who's going to kill himself. But by not investing, they ensure the outcome. And so Dolores offers Caleb a choice as much money as he needs to run or to help her start a revolution. <laughs> so, yeah. said, so, you know, when you were at work, you'd kill the signal to see how people would react. And she says, I'm going to do the same thing. And that's like where we were talking before. Ash has that weird thing where you press a button and it just blows up the entire system. Everyone's phone blasts with music and like it just messes with people, right? Yeah, that's what right. she wants to do on a much larger scale is to 
you know, uh, pull the alarm off and see how people react, right? <laughs> um, and then Dolores says, and I want to show this world for what it really is. And Caleb says, well, I'm a dead man either way. At least this way, I get to decide who I want to be. Our boy Caleb's in for the revolution. Yeah, <laughs> that was really cool. That yeah, man. And then we go into Charlotte. You know, she's watching that video, like you said, that it keeps coming up over and over again. And, mm-hmm. and it seems like she's slowly losing control of who she is because, to your point, she starts tearing up watching it. Yeah. Like, like you don't have, like, this person, you are a host. You've only been in this world for three months tops. You've been mm-hmm. living as someone else, like, very, very shortly. You shouldn't have a level of emotion and connection that you're physically upset because you see a, a video that the real mom sent to like you're not that, that that's not what's supposed to be happening like you have a job to do and this is starting to interfere with what the directive Dolores mm-hmm. gave her quick uh, thing I just want to mention it's not really that important just the date was February 23rd when he was eight years old when um, yeah. they ordered the pancakes for him for Caleb the strawberry so, shake yeah yeah just bringing that up um, but yeah, you know, uh, that's kind of the thing with this video, uh, just so the audience can get a feel for it. I'll tell you what it says real quick. Um, you know, she's just recording herself, like I was saying, and she says, this is a video of Nathan for Nathan Hale, my son. And it shows like how she was never there for him and says, um, I have always been there for you, but there's so many things I need to say. Uh, this might be the last time that mommy gets to take, uh, to talk to you i love you so much buddy i'm so proud of you i'm so sorry i'm so sorry if i ever made you feel like you weren't the most important thing i was trying to build a life for us and i and i and now i realize that none of it matters the night that i left you um, and wanted to tuck you in i wanted to sing you our song but i didn't have time so i'm going to sing it to you now and that's when she sings the sunshine song um so it, it just goes to show i mean how fearful even charlotte was like charlotte i think i want to say this is probably during the time in season two when she kind of teamed up with bernard for a bit um but she basically knew like she was going to die in this place yeah Mm -hmm. it was cool that she left that because like you never got the feeling from hale that she was sent the real hale that she was sentimental to anyone she was like a cutthroat businesswoman like like icy <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. you know she, yeah. she didn't seem like she had time for that kind of Ice nonsense cold. right because like remember <laughs> yeah. remember when we first see her in in season one not to get backtracked but like she's hooking up with hector the host in the, the hotel room like in that room remember that mm-hmm. like like Teresa walks in and she's i can come back another time and hector's tied up like with his hands on the bed you remember that oh yeah of course yeah so like <laughs> yeah and she so, got the cigarette ha- like a hail like yeah like in the club that's why i don't I bring just, that one up anymore i think it's a that, bad memory like <laughs> hail that's, that's what i'm saying is that you don't get a family vibe from hail that's the whole point and bring that up is that it's just she seems so transactional about all of her life's like things like it's that she doesn't care really about anything except maybe mm-hmm. herself right so yeah self-preservation it's very interesting like i mean i think this is part of the thing that gives her way to a lot of people too uh um, right yeah uh cool yeah. it's all yours man i'll let you take it away yeah we only got i only got two more points here before it closes out this episode and then this 
this podcast episode too. Uh, <laughs> she gets in the vehicle, makes a call, and says that she wants to meet. We don't even know who she's talking to at this point in time. She says, "I want to meet," and all of a sudden, her vehicle locks up and reroutes her, where she is taken to speak with Sirak. Now, Martell puts the hologram glasses on Hale, and so she's able to have that virtual meeting with Sirak that we're talking about. Like we saw earlier in the season with Gerald. You know, put the, the the glasses on. It looks like the person's really in front of you, like you're having a conversation face to face with a real human. And so, we learn that the real Charlotte Hale promised Sirak Delos's dirty secret. So the real Charlotte Hale was a double agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a profile for every one of their guests. He says, you know, he has some of the data, but he wants all of it. And they they all know that the the key is in the mind of a host called Dolores. Although, you know, is it really? But that's all I'll say to that, right? And then, so yeah, then I just, my last note there was like, yeah, real life Charlotte was a double agent for for Delos, which is crazy because it seemed like for her, when we were watching it, Delos was everything. Like everything, Delos, Delos, Delos. Like, you know, so it was crazy that she was actually working behind their back at the same time. And that ends episode three and that that finishes up at least like the, with the content that we had for today for you guys uh you know so what we're gonna do because i know it, it's crazy it's like we're almost done with westworld already we've only got two more episodes to give you guys westworld right so we've done you know yeah. only, there's only three seasons and so we've done today uh season three episodes one two and three next week we'll tackle episodes four five and six and then we'll close out uh, all of Westworld for good until they come up with season four. Uh, you know, we'll close that out in two weeks from now. We're just tackling episodes seven and eight, and maybe if we've got time, give some final thoughts on it as well. But uh, yeah, dude, I'm. I just wanted to say, guys, again, thank you, like we always do. Uh, we've got some new platforms that we're on. Uh, the Amazon Music is a big deal. Um, we've got just no, nothing but nonstop support from the people who matter. And I think that's what matters most. And I don't know, did you want to say anything else before we finish up here, my man? Um, No, just same thing. I mean, we had a lot of, we, you know, it's amazing how we keep expanding globally. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, we've had a lot more countries this week, like Ethiopia and that sort of thing, which is really Let's say, cool. like, Lithuania, too, Israel, or something like that? You know, it's funny how we, you know, I always sit there and think, like, who the hell is wanting to listen to Westworld and all these really cool places? But uh, yeah, yeah, I actually got the li- I got the, the list of, of the new ones. The list of the new countries we're in are Iran, Israel, Turkey, Thailand, Ethiopia, Guam, Taiwan, and Lithuania. So that's that's pretty big. Just in a short amount of time, we uh, entered some of these these other countries. Yeah, man, it's like we always say here, uh, not bringing up any more Game of Thrones, but this is one of our <laughs> phrases. Uh, you are shields that guard the realms of fantasy. So you're Love it. a ride or die here uh, with Jay Nelly and uh, Chase over here. So um, yeah, yeah I think uh, you want to go ahead and sign us off here. Let's do it, my man. Like we always say around here, this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Sign, sign off. off.